This podcast is for mature audiences only and may include cussing, cursing, fidgeting, rambling, insensitive or irreverent material, slurs, catchphrases, expressions, lamentations, and or degradations that aren't suitable for young folk. Also, we'll be talking about the reefer. That wizard came from the moon. Welcome to Purple Dungeon Squid, the podcast for gamers that toke. If you love the green and you love the screen, then you're in the right place, friend, because we're here to shoot the breeze on some dank strains and some video games. This week on Purple Dungeon Squid, we interrupt your regularly scheduled Dungeon Squid for E3. E3 happened, dude, and there's a lot to unpack. We talk about big releases from Microsoft, Ubisoft, Ubisoft, Bethesda, Sony, Nintendo, and all the other cool kids at the party. Andy picked up Street Fighter Anniversary Edition, and don't worry, there'll be some weed involved as we settle in for our smoke sesh with our strain and our munchie of the week. So stick around for that, because it's going to be a good... Good, good time. I'm your host, Andy, and with me as always, the one, the only, the hello-y, marshmallow-y, Dank Dan. Hey-o, Andy. Hey-o. Oh, wait, hold up. Get I'm holding? getting a transmission from the Terra Cluster. Oh, it's a big one. Oh. Really big. Oh. Data class E3? Oh, my. Must be the uh, the Electronic Entertainment Expo. The Electronic Entertainment Expo. It's too bad we're in deep space or we could be there in person. Oh, man. Well, that is, uh, that is what I'm seeing here also. Dude, live from E3, am I right? Um, live is pushing it. I'm alive. You're alive. We're, and we're, we're talking both, about E3. We're living. We're talking about living E3. Then. I watched yeah. some video footage basically live. Yeah, I mean, it was a stern 47 hours of video, but we made it through um, a little bit, a little bit slower, a little bit uh, dumber than we started. But by God, do we know about some games? Did we digest it all or what? Or what? And who for for you, Purple Dungeon Squad listener? Uh, If you haven't clued in yet, this here is Purple Dungeon Squid, a podcast about uh, what do we talk about, Dan? Something about Um, we we, mostly uh, the moving pictures that you control. With that that little box in your hand, the Vigima games. Weed, weed. We also talk about weed. Yes. I think. Let's just start. to check my notes. One. That's the other one. Yep. There you go. Yeah, look for it. We're only twenty three episodes deep in this bad boy, and um, you know somehow we've managed to land on exactly our subject matter. That's pretty good, I think. I think we're that. Check that box. It feels right. Feels topical. Feels topical. Um, for real, man. E three is like you know. Can you can you think of can you think of an event that throughout throughout your life has been quite as exciting as E3 other than, I don't know, marriage, birth of children. Let's go that direction. But, you know, I recall for as long as I can remember being a gamer, being stoked about E3 every, every year that it comes out. Uh, and you know, it's been a lifelong goal of mine to get there. Still haven't at this point, but this is probably the closest I've gotten given the amount of footage we've digested over the last few weeks or week, I guess. You're right, Andy. E- E3 has got this strange, uh vibe about it's like christmas 
if if Christmas was like there was like a preview to Christmas, like what right. you could see like in six to ten months, here's what you could be potentially seeing under your tree. Yeah, it's like that scene at the beginning of Mad Max where the guy, the big you know evil guy, he gets up and he, yeah, chanting to the unwashed mash it, masses and pulls the pulls the cord and the water comes down and they're all like, Aah! and it only happens for a couple seconds. Everyone's collecting water in, in buckets and then no more. No more until until the until the drop date till the release date. Yeah, and I mean the metaphor is apt because we are parched and we're also these brutal uh, entities that, if mistreated, will rise up and crush your enterprise. I like it. While there's like this um, expectancy, this anxiousness to see the glory, there's also a heavy discernment and uh, at the ready <sighs> anger for loot boxes and pre-rendered footage and some of the out-and-out lies we've seen in in previous E3s. Shenanigans, if you will. Those jaded jaded shenanigans. Yeah, I feel you on that one. Speaking of shenanigans, and we're going to talk about all sorts of E3-related stuff, so stick around for that. Um, (laughs) This is actually our our second time recording this episode, isn't it, Daniel? Uh, It's a a swing number two. (laughs) It's numero dos. So uh, a little behind the curtain information. Uh, Last week, we started recording the E3 episode. And to be fair, I'm glad we're taking another cut at this because we were halfway through E3. You know, it's nice to have it all contained in one episode. I feel like I've got a more holistic view of all the cool shit that's coming out. Um, but really last good week, spin, buddy. Good yeah, spin. Good spin. Because last week we got halfway into the podcast. We jumped into the smoke session just before our E3 segment. And I don't know. I don't know, Dan. It's never happened before. I was, uh, I was smoking down on some Durban poison. Just got a little too high. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. couldn't continue. There was a moment of clarity where I was like, Dan, we're going to have to abort this mission. Yep. And he had to stop the podcast on account of being a nub. <laughs> just being just being a little too uh, a little too out there. I was like, nah, dude. Nope. No. Find me a taquito and some juice boxes because that's, that's what the rest of the night looks like. Yeah. You needed a damp cloth on the back of your neck. Now, I got to ask you, Andy, you've proffered this wisdom so many times. So I got to ask you, did you exact it? How many peppercorns did you eat? So that's the worst part of it, because anyone who knows my stories of of combating the uh, the the dreaded just a little too high knows that peppercorns are the panacea. They're they're the answer. They're the unlock. And so as I felt myself just being just a little bit off kilter, I ran to the cabinets and foraged inside and realized that there were no peppercorns to be had. I was out out of stock. OOS. And uh, yeah, that's that was the beginning of a of a of a spiral into the. De- Actually, I just took a nap and it was all good. But you know, now Andy, that's both a rookie uh, cannabis connoisseur mo- mo- uh, mode and uh, culinarily. I mean, our dinner plans are canceled, buddy. I'm not coming over for b- brisket because I know when it comes to freshly cracked pepper, you have none. I know it's like that that finishing moment. Oh, enjoy your Caesar salad, Dan. I slaved all evening for it. Uh, homemade Caesar, and you're like fresh pepper, and I'm like no, and you're out the door. I, I understand, and believe me, I'd be now, with you. You could have, and and maybe you did. Maybe you just you could slam a rail of ground pepper. Did you consider that? We didn't. We had neither. We had not neither. Not a, not nary a pepper in sight. 
not even ground pepper. Like, Mm-mm. I feel like everyone even has, like, a lost, abandoned, or rejected pepper shaker it's, that lives in the back of their cabinet. Please, just, please like, let, me, let, me, let me learn you on this one. It's the top hot, shelf in, in the fridge. There? It's the top shelf right. in the fridge where all the, all the banked condiments the from takeout fridge. live. You know, it's the ketchup packets. Uh, it's yeah. the, the sweet and sour sauce. It's the McNugget dip. And uh, yeah, and you get a little couple wings, couple wings, hot sauce. Yeah, all that. It's the and you're like, yeah. oh man, I'm totally gonna use this later. And that's like, you know, fast forward to 2077, still there. I I love the idea, the picture of you scooting next door to one of your affluent neighbors and just like bleary eyed, uh, cl- like just a covered in a flop sweat, just saying, could I could you spare a peppercorn or two? <laughs> <laughs> I do it too. I have very little shame when it comes to that kind of thing. But um but yeah, yep. so it was it was funny. You know, we we had a chuckle about it. I'm pretty sure I have some footage of where the uh <laughs> where the, where that last podcast went off a cliff. So maybe I'll maybe I'll <laughs> maybe I'll jump it in a little later, but um other than that, it's also been just a super busy week. I was uh, I was on an airplane again on my way out to Calgary and I was playing Suikoden, Suikoden 2, as a matter of fact. Have you, uh, have you taken a gander at that beautiful play, piece at PS1 Classic? Yeah, yeah. Su- Suikoden? Is that how you say that? Suikoden. Sui? Suikoden? Suikoden. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It uh, seems like a, uh, an RPG that was probably loved by many and potentially also equally impenetrable. But how did you find it? Yeah, I mean, you're not mm. so like obviously I'll talk about it in more in depth the next time we actually have an opportunity <laughs> uh, to obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, obviously I'd like to <laughs> I would like to extrapolate on that, uh, you know. Um, can't can't wait. Can't, can't wait. wait. It's going to <laughs> so negative. Every time I'm doing a review, <laughs> a little voice in the back of my head's going to be like, "Dan thinks you're bullshit." He thinks you're bullshit. Just blast. Maybe you are just bullshit. Blast you. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing fine. You're uh, doing fine. Well, I'm glad. Thank you. Thank you for that that validation. Now I can carry on with my impartial review. Um, yeah, so listen, I, I really can't talk too much about Sweet Coden. I was playing it on my Vita, which is fun. Man, let me just tell you something about Vita. Real, real dumb. Real dumb. If you're in the Vita store... Right. The other day I was on the uh, on the train taking a look through the Vita store at some of the titles I might want to pick up because my Vita has been just languishing as my switch has stolen the spotlight on just about everything. Right. Um, And so, you know, I pull my Vita out and I'm like, let's see what I can get going here. And through the Vita store, some good stuff, some some good, good stuff. But I recall someone telling me that you can play Sweet Coden 2 on the Vita and it's just not in the store. So I do some Googling around and it's just this common knowledge thing that, oh yeah, if you're on the Vita store, that's just, you just can't, like there's only a couple of the games that are actually available for the platform. You have to go on the browser-based PlayStation store and buy the stuff there. I'm like, what do you mean? Why? But why? Why, Dan? Why? Like so much stuff. Sure enough, I went on the, uh, the browser version on my laptop and promptly proceeded to buy and download Suikoden 2 to my Vita. I just had to buy it through the browser and then go to my Vita and click the download button. Really silly. Uh, and perhaps one of the many long reasons why the Vita is uh, no longer with us in the Western world. Great, great. Has perished, perished under disinterest and, uh, not enough Japanese people because a a Japanese person will play a handheld. They'll they'll keep a handheld console alive, but we just can't. Where are 13 year old boys, Andy? Where are they? We don't have enough. They're too busy. We don't have enough. They're doing silly things. They're outside. They're what? playing. I don't believe. Now that I don't believe. 
No, that's <laughs> the running companies. I think that's what happens nowadays. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, right. they're going public. That's what's happening. I was reading boys. about a 13 year old Bitcoin millionaire oh, yeah. the other day. And uh, just like paraphrasing, and these facts may be wrong because I skimmed that article because I'm a busy man. Sure. It, it, it sounded like some kid b- buying Bitcoin so he could, you know, buy something uh, uh, off, you know, an online store that accepted Bitcoin. So at the time he acquired something like 450 Bitcoin, which was roughly like $17. Right. And then just promptly forgot about it. And then Bitcoin hit, you know, 20, 25, 27,000. And he's like, oh. Oh, I have lots of money now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then like cue the intro music for the film Blank Check featuring Sinbad. <laughs> <laughs> Sinbad. Hold on. Is it Sinbad or is it the other guy? No, no, Sinbad. Let's just leave it at that. Okay, Way better story. Sinbad. Way better uh, story. Don't go deeper. And like, yeah, I know what I would do when I was 13 uh, with uh, like several million dollars. I'd buy a castle. I'd install uh, both a fireman's pole and a water slide. And buy a big TV, and I wouldn't know what to do next. Like that's uh, I, that's the I, I, mm, I don't know, man. I think I probably would have um, spent all my money uh, entertaining girls. Uh, oh wow! <laughs> just a just a harem. the The title of this is "How a Thirteen Year Old Got the Most Impressive VD Ever." I mean, listen, you'd buy the you'd 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 go so far as to like considering the castle purchase, and then you're like, wait a minute, I could just take Vanessa to like I don't know. Hollywood and be in a movie and that's what you would do. Can I ask you a question? In this in this horrible start to a podcast, um, are these girls thirteen as well? No, are they, are no, they they're all consenting women? adults above the age. No, no, no. I mean 18. in this in this hold on, full stop. In this allegory, you're also thirteen. Let's right. make that clear. Right. Are you taking like Vanessa out to like uh, an ice cream shop in, in you know, chauffeured around, or are you dating like a pro and she's 20 years old <laughs> yeah I, I don't like your use of the word pro i did suggest something that i'm not willing to venture but i would say that if i'm 13 and in hollywood there's enough starlets out there that need a little cash to spend some time with my 13 year this is all sounding a lot like i, pay- I think what I, you've I, said is worse can i offer that what you've said is worse <laughs> oh jesus <laughs> I just um, wanted so to Andy, show how hard are we? How nice hard are we cutting this? Segment? A nice time with all of my money. <laughs> just as a, a gentleman, millionaire. <laughs> just Nothing a gentleman. Suspect enough. Replete. I complete. feel this. I feel the sponsors signing on we right are, now. You're like, we I, are complete. I like. I like this 13 year old VD they're talking about. No. Trojan, hit us up. Trojan extra Stop. small. No, Jesus. <laughs> Shut it down. Shut it down. Oh, we're having a good time. Okay, what's up next? Oh, God. I need a second to recompose myself. I was... Take a a second. Uh, Mm. Oh, man. All right. Well, when you were 13, you wanted a castle. When I was 13, I wanted a girlfriend. Here we are. Um, Yeah. Uh, both of us, neither of us had millions, so neither happened. Um, playing Sweet Coden. Rich in spirit. Rich in spirit. Rich in spirit. <laughs> was, mm. Playing Sweet Coden 2, uh, here's the thing. It, it's it's a beautiful game. It's beautiful in that old school sense. Um, I, I don't want to get too deep into it because I really feel like I'm going to enjoy it. But I had a, mm-hmm. the, the worst time playing it because I was on an airplane that was, I don't know, Air Canada. And Air Canada, I know you listen to the podcast regularly. The fuck's up with those new planes? New planes that have this this extremely throttled air and like if you're in an airplane and they've made the airplane smaller and they've reduced the amount of air hitting your face 
it's just I felt like I was going to vomit the whole time. So I didn't really get a lot of a lot of good sweet coat and two time. Um, but I so, am very angry at Air Canada. Andy, that you know those two inches that they've shaved off in their new planes. You know what was contained in those two inches? My dignity. Your dignity. That's correct. That's correct. Yep. It's it's the filing cabinet in the sky. That's true. That's true. Um, speaking of dignity. Old Jeffrey, our, our old pal old Jeffrey, Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions, getting the cold shoulder from the Donald lately, eh? Have you seen this? Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, it's been sad. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm starting to feel for this attorney general who's like, I will uphold my fundamentalist right-wing visions of crushing weed-smoking peoples and banishing them to the ninth layer of hell. And um, Donald's like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and side with this senator and maybe support a bill to make the states totally jam on whatever they want to do. Um, well, before you feel too bad for old Jeffrey, <sighs> uh, latest breaking news is uh, they, he and Jeffrey have made up um, this week over their mutual hate for sanctuary cities. Uh, you know, uh, these cities in the U.S., 29 they have targeted. Um, that uh, they will be ch charging the, the or addressing the fact that the states are breaking federal law by not um, cooperating with federal agents in the detention of undocumented immigrants. Oh, yeah. Um, on top of the fact that there's a lot of talk right now that maybe it's not a great idea to separate women and children and fathers uh, when they're detained because right now they're separating families. Um, and I mean... It's uh, it's getting pretty dark, and it, it's easy to start to feel bad for Jeff Sessions because he's such a tiny man; he could turn a peanut shell into a canoe. Um, but he is a horrible Keebler elf that wants to undermine the rights of every single person he can find. Uh, okay, and uh, also this week on the Purple Dungeon Patriot, um, boy, <laughs> uh, I just took the win for my sales. But what I was going to say was, despite all this behind the scenes evil doing. Um, prosecutions for cannabis. Let me take this one into the light now. Prosecutions for cannabis are down 25% this year. So near the, near the turn of the year, there was a renewed vigor and renewed uh, conversation about cracking down on cannabis, air quotes, crimes. And it seems as if that has not netted out in the direction that he wanted them to. Um, I've heard that there's been a lot of prosecution going on in this, in the space of, um, of, of cannabis businesses that are operating in the gray or the black market, right? So in California, operating outside of regulations, operating without permits, et cetera, which functionally has the uh, effect of bolstering the legitimate cannabis businesses that are out there. So it's not actually the worst thing going on. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting landscape of, of what's going on in cannabis air quotes crimes, but it seems Mr. Jeffrey, at least in this frontier of American freedom, has gone challenged. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, uh, there's a, a lot of lines that are drawn between crime and cannabis use. You know, they, there's a stat that gets thrown out that, you know, uh, 6,500 individuals who pass through the Young Offenders Institution every year, 72% of them uh, have daily cannabis use. Uh, you know, but I would say if you want that to stop, separate cannabis culture and crime culture. Because when cannabis is legal, it's by default crime culture. Um, so bring it into the light and, and everybody will come with it. You know, lo and behold, the states that have legalized have not collapsed under the weight 
of of marijuana destroying the social fabric we're seeing uh less crime less drunk driving less violent crime and wow just some wonderful tax revenue there you go let's let's, let's get in on it let's get in on we? that let's get in on that yeah man it's speaking of regulation um canada's doing its gyration right now on what's going to be allowed for lps and what's going to be allowed for licensed producers what's going to be allowed for for cannabis retailers in the space and boy is it ever challenging for you know those folks to land on exactly what will or won't be allowed i'm actually wearing a broken coast shirt right now pick that up at the lift cannabis expo really digging it but right now with bill c4 45, they're debating whether or not any of these companies will be allowed to promote their uh, promote their cannabis using you know standard t-shirts or hats or bracelets or any any other promotional swag and right now as it stands and it may be appealed or changed the answer is no which to me raises a giant what the fuck because you know i i can count on uh well no wrong way to go um I know just how prolific beer t-shirts and alcohol branded swag are in this world. And I understand, you know, the implications of not wanting to create a culture of teenagers walking around endorsing cannabis brands, but when they're wearing Budweiser shirts, really, does it matter? I don't know. What do you think, Dan? Um, you know, it's funny because there, there is restrictions on alcohol advertising. Like, I, th- I think one of them is it, you'll notice that when they're advertising Budweiser, people are hanging out very pretty 20 to 30 somethings are hanging out um, around beer, but they're not actually drinking the beer. Have you noticed this? I have, but this is a different story. Like, listen, am I expecting there to be, you know, promotion out there of people smoking on Broken Coast cannabis um, in magazines and, and TV? No, but... You know, we're, we're specifically talking about swag. We're specifically talking about not being able to produce T-shirts or mugs or anything in the vein of promotion around cannabis. I, I get what they're saying. They don't want to encourage youth cannabis use, fine and dandy. And at the same time, you know, there's there's this this precedent set for alcohol. Like, listen, I bought a case of Corona when I was 17 um, and got a Corona shirt. And you better believe I wore the shit out of that Corona shirt. So in one way, I'm proving the point that they're saying, which is, yes, swag and marketing do work, obviously. And in another breath, I'm saying I a, didn't become an alcoholic because of that shirt. Anecdotal evidence. That's fine. And B, why on earth does cannabis not get a shirt when alcohol does? That's that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Yeah, I'm saying if alcohol can do it, gnarly. why can't we? You know? It's a it's a little bit gnarly, and I mean I knew I was I know I'm drawing an apples to oranges uh, uh, com, uh, comparison, you know. But my point being is you know uh, varying substances that people feel might be dangerous, whether they are or not, do have some heavy controls on them. You know, it's a lot of parallels getting uh, drawn to smoking, and you can understand why. And you know it's it's heavily regulated regulated in terms of what they can even sponsor. I remember. The fireworks here in in Canada used to be bought, brought to you by whom? Uh, ooh, Demorier. Benson's and Benson, Benson and, and Hedges. hedges. Yeah, Benson used hedges. to be the big one, and and Demorier brought us, you know, the the, uh, um, the indie, yeah, and, yeah, and all these things, and so the, and they and that's just having their name attached, and they got sharply curtailed, you know. And I'm not I'm not here speaking for uh uh you know cigarettes, but it's it's interesting to see where they land, and I agree with you. Like, should they be able to give away swag? Yes, but how do you make sure that it's, you know, it's not giving undue influence 
uh, to folks that might be too young to be getting involved because you know I, I know that your brain isn't done developing until you're 25 so um, both alcohol and cannabis should be at a minimum you know till you hit that spot uh, yeah, my opinion, and that's just that is one, one man's, man's opinion. opinion. It's I, I, one man's opinion. So yeah, I, and I can see your point. Um, you know, and and but the conversation is not about should minors have access to promotional goods and slash or cannabis. Um, you know, I again, not not my my opinion doesn't matter on that front. But should cannabis companies have every right to go out there and promote their brand in the same way that alcohol companies do? When you take the pyramid of tobacco, put that right on the freaking bottom because kills you expensive awful and then you know on top of that you've got alcohol and cannabis cannabis which has been proven to be um you know therapeutic and useful in many ways whereas alcohol you know has some applications but generally speaking is is at least realized to be more damaging than cannabis by a large margin right uh, and so you've got can you've got alcohol walking around with all the promo swag beer mugs hats you know festival sponsorships uh music events whatever the hell you want and cannabis is like nah dog just no t-shirts I, that just doesn't sit with me well let me ask you a question where where can an alcohol uh promoter give away swag that that isn't an 18 plus event uh yeah no i'm, I'm not arguing with you on that no but I, I think that it's already restricted you know what i mean like you get it in a box of uh, a, a box of beer, you know, a case of beer that you're you're going to be of age to purchase anyway, or concerts that are eighteen plus. I think that's part of it. Yeah, dude, or, and, and I'm know, in, I'm with you. I'm with you 100. Yeah. I'm not advocating for driving through like a high school and firing off t-shirts with the, weed the brands. <laughs> it's like ah, check it out, kids. Smoke, smoke up, children. Smoke up, children, <laughs> smoke some broken coast. Yeah, no, I'm not not advocating for that. But I am saying Boy, we're that, dragging them for the mud, aren't we? Yeah, broken coast. Love you guys. Great stuff you guys grow. <laughs> Real good weed. <laughs> um, the best in Canada. But um, no, I yeah, I I don't I don't get down with the idea that alcohol can promote whatever through an 18 plus or 19 plus venue, uh, giving access to t-shirts, etc. Um, and cannabis can't. So that's where I stand on the matter. Um, are, are you on the same page or where do you, where do you land? I think you should punish the children preemptively. I mean, uh, thought crimes, if they think about weed, that's a paddling. Sure. Um, if they're wearing their shirt, oh, that's a paddling. Just more discipline. We need a chastity right? ball gag for all of our, oh, for wow. all of our children. <laughs> Please cut that from the podcast. Oh no, Jeez. I just like it's yeah. I mean, listen, I'm down. I'm down with uh, with with restriction of of substances to be used for these recreational purposes from minors. I'm down with that. Just let the guys make a T-shirt and distribute it in a reasonable and uh, and you know above age fashion. And that's all I'll say on the matter. Uh, speaking of drinking, though. Now that I've finished hating on alcohol long enough, uh, I did want to tell you, Dan. I have discovered. I have discovered the greatest, most stoner-friendly summer beverage. Do you want to hear about it? Now, now this is discovered in the Columbus sense, like in the way that lots of people already knew about it, but you're discovering it now, like just you. Why do you got to do that, man? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Come on. Okay, let me give it to you before we head into the sponsors here. So I was out on my patio barbecuing uh, earlier this week and... You know, enjoying myself. I'm outside. I got a little tune on. Smoked a little. Most smoked a little joint, and I'm having some Hefeweizen. You know, a little bit Hefeweizen. of Hefeweizen. It's uh, Amsterdam white or Amsterdam blanc. 
Am I? No, sorry. What am I talking about? Cronenberg. Cronenberg Blanc. There we go. Excuse me. Uh, it's a, This it's is a, a weird left to right foot switch. Like we just were talking about alcohol and, and smashing it. Now you're like directly promoting some I'm not brands. smashing it. I'm just saying if they want to have a t-shirt, so should cannabis. Anyway, so I'm drinking some Cronenberg Blanc <laughs> and like the beer is just not doing it for me. And then I recall a drink, a beverage that an old colleague of mine used to drink. It's called a White Summer. Let me school you on a White Summer. A White Summer is half white wheat beer, or if you're drinking like a Hogarden, Hefeweizen, right? And half cider, generally a dry cider. So like uh, up here we got Strongbow. I'm pretty sure that's an American brand also, right? And it is glorious. First and foremost, you get that beer sensation. You're not drinking something overly sweet like a pure cider, but you, you get a little bit of that crispness, a little bit of that freshness, and how it lands on a cannabis-infused palate is just majestic also the alcohol content not that high uh you can have one or two without feeling any adverse effects combined with the cannabis i'm feeling it it, it was really doing it for me this weekend that's yeah, not a bad one uh i i'm a big proponent of going the radler direction oh. same same idea but you go grapefruit juice um instead of uh cider and uh great effects Interesting. Yeah, the Stiegel Rattler has been a popular one. I feel like the White Summer is a preface to the Stiegel Rattler. I feel like the Stiegel Rattler is the new hotness, and what I'm talking about is you know your granddad's drink now. But um, but both good drinks, nevertheless. Yes. You got me, buddy. Roger, Roger. Alrighty then. Well, Dan, if you didn't know. This episode of Purple Dungeon Squid is brought to you by our immutable sponsors, the ones, the onlys that make this this very podcast podcast possible. Uh, do you know who those are, Dan? Do you know what that is? Do you know what those might be? Oh, it's got to be the green and the screen. The green and the screen. Whedon Video Games. Thank you. Thank you for taking us here. Thank you for exploding us to such great heights. They won't see us waving from up here. Uh, also brought to you by Hotboxing Your Mom's Minivan. Because while Susan's away, you, the boys, and the Windstar shall play. <laughs> Brought to you by Corner Store Jamaican Beef Patties. Is it Jamaican? No. Is it beef? No. <laughs> Brought to you by telling your boss what you really think. Because after tendering your resignation, there's nothing better than saying, listen, Stan, you've been riding my ass and checking out my wife. And from now on, it's going to be the other way around. See you later. <laughs> is that a is that a come on? Is that, that's what happens after you tender your resignation. You immediately go into full flirtation mode. Brought to you by <laughs> putting on damp socks. Putting on damp socks. There's few fates worse than death, but when it has to be worse, come see us. Damp socks. <laughs> and finally, brought to you by Apple Martini Vape Juice. Apple Martini Vape Juice. Is it a little bit of feminine? Yes. Does it matter? No, because delicious is worth it. Get it going. Get it going. If you want to actually sponsor the show and do you vape bro, feel free to email us at purpledungeonsquid at gmail.com. Until then, you'll have to put up with all of this nonsense. I'm wearing corduroy and I don't care who knows. He'll it. never stop. Oh, Daniel. Ahoy there. Andy, I mean, as my we look, man, ooh, as we look forward through this brass brass telescope at uh, all the beautiful games on the horizon, it's only fitting that we look back over the last thirty years of Street Fighter, which is exactly what I've been doing over the last week. Much to oh, your jealousy, nostalgic before prostalgic. Hey, what's the opposite of nostalgic? I think prostalgic has a lot. <laughs> 
There's a lot Postalgic more. is what I take nightly to make sure I don't defecate in my bed. <laughs> it's a pharmaceutical. Andy, how are you liking this transition? Is it good? It's, it's going a good well. transition. It's a big thumbs it's up great. for now. It's a big thumbs up for now. <laughs> Prostalgic. That's actually what they call prostalgic. They're like prostalgic. The big thumbs up of pharmaceuticals. <laughs> prostalgic. Keeping your sheets clean um, and your marriage intact. Uh, yeah. Um, boy, I, so I, I went ahead and picked up Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Edition. I've been waiting for this guy to drop for quite some time. Same thing uh, could be said of prostalgic. Um, and, you know, my, my history with Street Fighter is long and checkered and not particularly experienced. Uh, and, you know, so being able to grab this, what effectively amounts to a time capsule of Street Fighter goodness was was a pretty interesting was a pretty interesting experience for me. Now I know you're a pretty experienced Street Fighter man yourself, right? King of the uh, king of the the local neighborhood as a child. Uh yeah, you know, there's been a couple of uh hours of youth spent uh on each one of these editions, no question. Yeah, no kidding. Um for me, it was probably the opposite experience where Street Fighter didn't happen a lot uh, in my space, with the notable exception of the laundromat. So, like, my whole relationship with Street Fighter, again, an avid gamer, but for some reason just never never got my hooks or got its hooks in me. My whole experience with Street Fighter was when I was maybe like seven, eight years old, right? At the, uh, at the, corner laundromat with my mom she was doing our laundry as one does and I, I can distinctly remember she goes to the grocery store next door leaves me with a roll of maybe 30 quarters and that's my that's my entertainment fund most of it went into the street fighter 2 machine uh sitting in the lobby and those were some joyful moments i remember doll sim that was my that was my jam um, the the long limbed Indian dude, and uh, I can I can recall the really challenging experience of trying to determine if I was going to spend my last four quarters on more Street Fighter, not knowing exactly how much longer that duvet was going to take to dry, or if I was going <laughs> to drop it on a on a bag of sour cream and onion, um, and almost inevitably sour cream and onion won the day. But a lot of Street Fighter was I, played too. I love the expectation that Street Fighter set up with Dalsim. Because if you look at his fighting style, it says that he's a yoga master, which, you know, set up an unrealistic expectation about what that first yoga class was going to be like sure. for me. We we shot almost no fireballs and teleported not a bit. Not even a little bit. And, you know, not even a little bit of teleportation. Stretchy limbed maneuvers. Real useful for grabbing the can on the top shelf or scratching right in between your shoulder blades. None of that happened either. No. And, uh, you know. Uh, Dalsim is one of those guys that when you're first looking at the game, you're like, absolutely, I'm going to play this fighter because I would like to hit my enemy from the other side of the screen. How could I be beaten? Right. Yeah. And, and uh, you very quickly begin to realize that that strategy uh, happens and works almost none of the time. I don't know. Is Dals it, it, Listen, I never got into the competitive scene of Street Fighter, clearly. Um, I mean, there weren't a, lot of, weren't a lot of folks to play down at the laundromat. Uh, and we, <laughs> generally when they were, they weren't too keen on playing against a six-year-old boy. Is this legal? I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, when it comes to Dalsim, is he like a competitive character at this point? I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm not an expert and, uh, I, you know, anything I say is going to be kind of made up. But I'm going to say, yeah, I'm, I, they're all pretty balanced. I know uh, on the... I mean, I guess it depends on the version. Scene, it's right? a lot of bit of, you know, it's a lot of Ken, it's a lot of Akuma, but uh, 
against an uninitiated player, Dalsim is an absolute, you know, uh, shit show. He will ruin your afternoon. But uh, he's one of those strategic fighters because while you can deliver blows from the other side of the the screen, you also have the ability to, you know, you got got some other short range operations you can do with your yoga flame. You can teleport. So he, he's a little bit versatile. He's um, got the stuff. Especially in the later editions. He's he does have the, the stuff. There you go. Yeah, I mean, Dalsim, so, you know, that was my early introduction to Street Fighter. And I fondly remember it. You know, I never really picked it back up until Street Fighter 4 happened, right? Street Fighter 4 happened, and I've been playing that game over the over the years. Um, never really got into Street Fighter 5. So now returning to the classics really feels interesting because... Again, most of those early games, um, right up to you know Third Strike, uh, I I didn't really play, with the exception of that of that lone laundromat cabinet. So I mean, let me add, let's start the conversation quickly. What's your favorite Street Fighter, Dan? Give, give me give it to me straight. It's got to be Street Fighter the movie, <laughs> which is a motion capture Street Fighter that's as go. close to Mortal Kombat as you're ever gonna get. Uh, it's an adaptation of the fantastic. 1995 uh vehicle and you know not to be confused with uh the other game of the same name um it's uh it's clearly taken some tricks from mortal kombat and while the core mechanics are based on street fighter 2 turbo right down to the inclusion of the super uh the super moves super special moves i guess you'd call them um something definitely like went stale in the execution um (laughs) You know, it slow down, rears its head through the whole thing. And, uh, you know, that instinctive timing that you get um, when you get good at a Street Fighter game, don't worry, Andy, you'll get there, um, is it's really thrown off. <laughs> so, uh, you know, no amount of Jean-Claude Van Damme can can save this. I mean, Jean-Claude Van Damme can excuse a lot of sins. But um, so mm-hmm. I, I, I take it Street Fighter 2 Turbo is, is your pick for the series? I mean, it, it, Street Fighter Two Turbo is the one that I, I had the most time with, and is a is like one that's close to my heart. Although I have to give it to Street Fighter um, Alpha EX or Street Fighter EX. No, no, it's Street Fighter Alpha Three. That thing, that's the first one you get Akuma with Boy, the there's, there's, um, White there's Death. Not, there's definitely not enough Street Fighters out there. Let me tell you. Oh man, it's what's incredible is how many like the logical answer to how many Street Fighter twos can you have? The logical answer is one, right? You can have one Street Fighter two. They would say a tut tut tut. You can have five Street Fighter twos. <laughs> no doubt. Um, and, and what's that's, what's that's what's, what's beautiful about... is that there's you you should you, you should do wait. that thing. No, you get in there. You can get in there, Street Fighter two man. What, what I would love, what I love about it is that there the differences between the editions are so nuanced that, you know, uh, for the uninitiated, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. But um, I guess, you know, there's someone that said, I want each of them. So God bless them, right? Yeah. I mean, listen, like I get it in a world before being able to update stuff live over the interwebs. uh, I I can see in a game that relies on being extremely tightly tuned, how you might be interested in moving things forward with new characters, et cetera, through a release. I can I feel that. And that's what's kind of neat about. So let's get back to Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Edition. Um, That's what's cool about this game. It packs in all of the classic Street Fighters into one game. And not only does it do that, but it lets you switch between them very quickly, which I can really appreciate it because you can be playing Third Strike and switch to Street Fighter 2 Turbo in, you know, 15 seconds. And, you know, if you want to be jumping between each for a match or what have you, you can go ahead and do that. 
the game is presented with what basically is a dashboard to select which game you want to play, but you also get this little thing called the museum. So the museum you can jump into to see a bunch of concept art. You can read some of the original pitch documents for the games. You can read some like extended character bios, which is which seems weird. Like it seems like not a thing that you'd necessarily care about, or at least for me, it's not something I'd traditionally care about, but I, I got stuck in on it for quite some time. I mean, do you care about the behind the scenes stuff? Because that's that's a big chunk of what's cool about this this package. I'm glad you mentioned the museum because it's one of the buttons that really pushed me into nostalgia the most because I can flick down to Chung Lee and not only readers' story and the backstory and all that stuff, but I can look through the different editions and see how our sprite has evolved right down to seeing each animation of each one of our moves as it has evolved through the editions. And I love that. It's it's such a neat detail for that type of fan that I am um, that I thought was one of the greatest selling points of, of this edition. Yeah. I think that something that they may have missed the mark on is there's not uh, an online uh, versus mode for all the games that are contained in here. Only a couple of them do. I think it's... um. Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter Alpha 3, and Street Fighter 3 that'll, strike, that'll yeah. have third strike that'll have uh, online play. Yeah. I mean, the online play thing is is kind of separate. Um, you know, we can talk about that in a sec. I, I just I want to touch on the museum thing really quickly because, again, when you're looking at Street Fighter um, Anniversary Edition, that little, that little piece in there flip the switch for me because in a world of internet right where you can functionally google all of these facts and find them on a wikipedia or whatever to me it seemed very low value to have all of the whatever these sketches these sprite animations like again i can i can google that and see that in a few moments but what i what i became to realize is that in a pack like this in a game uh a compilation like this it's all in the presentation and that's actually what made it so interesting to to kind of flick through the museum so if you're a street fighter fan and you you may know these things you may be very up on the history of Street Fighter. You may have watched it evolve over the years if you're a diehard fan from way back. Seeing it all in one place, not necessarily on the internet, but being able to flick through on, from in my case, the Switch menus, really like made it an immersive experience. So for me, actually, the museum is one of the things that stood out the most um, about picking up this game. But yeah, to your point, you know, the online play, like. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be frank with you. I didn't engage in online at all. A, because I have no desire to get wrecked. Because <laughs> I just, I, I don't have my chops up with any of these games yet, right? Um, and B, you know, I, I, I feel like if I wanted to climb the competitive online ladder, I may do it in Street Fighter V. That, that feels more like what I'd want to do at this point. For me, though, this these games are a huge win because A, uh, I get to experience some of those initial Street Fighter moments. B, I really enjoy the sprite gameplay. Like the the art is incredible, and for me, sprites are actually far more appealing than 3D models. And C, I got it on the Switch, which means I basically have a mobile version of Street Fighter with capability to play against another player anywhere I go. And that's a just gift awesome. from on high. Uh, for real, for real, it is because the ability to just flip the kickstand out, pull off two uh, two of the Wii or Wii motes. Oh my god, <laughs> two of the Joy-Con, and have like a throwdown in Street Fighter Two Turbo is like I I just that's childhood dreams realized. No. Yeah. No. You you said it, and, and I know what you mean about the online play. You know, my experiences in these in these games. I'll jump online. 
and uh, I'll do very well in the first uh, the first combatant. The second one do very well. Third will be a little bit stiff, and then fourth, I've reached a, a level of skill, um, sort of banding. Like I, they push me up to the rarefied air where I find the oxygen's too thin, and what the other guy's doing. I know he's beaten me, but what's happened, like, I'll be describing to, like, a police sketch artist or something. Like, you know, he did a thing, and then he canceled that thing, and then he disappeared off the screen for a little while, um, uh, just long enough for me to not know where I am, and then I was unconscious. Yeah, show us on the Ryu doll where uh, where the big bad doll sim touched you, friend. That's correct. Mm, there you go. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so I... I, I Briefly jump through all of the titles. Uh, Street Fighter One felt real weird. I, I, I don't think that game is playable. I'm not. I'm not quite sure it's a game. To That's be your grandpappy's Street Fighter. Yeah, I mean, sure. it does. It barely registers as a Street Fighter. It's closer to um, Karate on the NES. Right. It's not good, whatever it is. It's not It's not particularly playable. But that's cool. It was fun to see. Street Fighter 2 Onward was exactly what I remembered, you know, from that from that old arcade cabinet. Da-da, um, da-da. Mm-hmm. But, you know, specifically uh, Street Fighter Alpha 3, um, specifically Street Fighter 3 Third Strike, I feel like those two games and, and Street Fighter 2 Turbo are all the Street Fighter I'll ever need. You know, Street Fighter 2 Turbo has its own charms. The Alpha has the huge... I actually like the graphics on Alpha 3 the most out of any of them. I find them like really vibrant, and I like the fact that there's a huge cast of characters, plus it has my favorite Street Fighter in there. Uh, and, you know, Third Strike... I don't know. Third Strike's interesting. Um, it, I don't, it feels more... A technical maybe like maybe it's just a mental thing because street fighter 3 has that incredible moment what's a oh it's an at the do you know what i'm talking about the evo tournament cancel where that guy i watched mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. i watched the clip like a week or two ago i actually had never never watched it before but it's where this dude parries i think just at the last moment parries chun li's super move and then goes on to win the tournament um and it was like within one seventeenth of a hundredth of a millisecond or something for him to accurately yeah. parry this move. It was, it was a pretty impressive thing to watch. Yeah. And I mean, it's undeniably the Zenith of the series in terms of mechanics. Um, you know, you get things like super specials counters, you know, even the combo system. It's, I mean, it's it, called it's a most parry, extensive. right? That's, that's the thing. It's a parry because with a parry, you uh, are able to block an attack. If you time it perfectly, you can block an attack yes. and not take any damage, which is, which is different from a normal block. So yes, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. So it's, so it's, it's that, um, and that's what he had parried Chun-Li's move with. It was cool to see. It was really neat. Right. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And you know, it, it, what's great about street fighters, it, they keep taking mechanics that are actually exploits that the, the players find and then incorporate them into the game. So perfect example is initially the idea of a combo was not in the game, but it was something that the players found that they could preload commands uh, at certain points in the animation that would uh, chain them together. So then, you know, the Street Fighter team saw the the community do this, and they're like, okay, yeah, we got to put this in. Right down to um, the cancellations that they eventually they eventually put in there, as well as the parries, which is your perfectly timed cancellation. So, you know, they, they looked at what their community was doing and then worked into the game. It's brilliant. 
Really? Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty neat. Again, I, I wasn't around for that. I mean, I wasn't part of the Street Fighter community for that for that uh, for that, you know, run up, but it's cool to see in retrospect. And that's again, that's what this 30th anniversary collection is. You can you can go back to these three very playable games. Street Fighter 2 Turbo, Alpha 3, Alpha 2, whatever, Street Fighter 3, uh, and and see the iteration between them, but they're all very playable games. It's fun to watch. Um yeah, anyway, this 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 title this this compilation i imagine these games have been reproduced a billion times across a billion platforms but having it all in one spot and specifically having it on the switch is a mandatory switch buy in my opinion if only just because you can take it with you to the whatever the dmv and play some street fighter if you're a street fighter fan at all just just having all this content in one spot is is worth the price of admission yeah, hundred percent. So I guess it, uh, I guess it brings it up. What's your favorite uh, Street Fighter character, Dan? I don't think I've ever asked you. You know, buddy, it's a toss-up. In my heart of hearts, I'm a Chung Lee guy. Um, you know, uh, she is the. Uh, you guys have very similar Leia. legs. That's true. I have powerful legs. She's the Princess Leia of the Street Fighter world. Um, you know, she's one of the original feminists. Don't cross her. She's on a classic revenge story. There you go. And um, you know, there's nothing better than standing over a defeated opponent and all they can look up is a delightfully cute young lady um that said there's nothing that compares to the crumpled corpse of somebody who's been hit with the uh black death of Mm. akuma you have you have suffered the fate and you you know it's you know it's ferocity akuma gets it done Every you time. know, actually, it's interesting that you said Akuma because in Street Fighter 2 Turbo, my understanding is the competitive scene in that game, um, by and large, has blanket banned Akuma from because he's just uh, ferociously overpowered. I, I don't know that to be true, but I believe it is. Uh, I yeah, understand. Well, they, they've brought him back a little bit like his he's a lot more balanced in further editions but yeah yeah oh, sorry yeah right. i mean I spe- specifically in street fighter 2 turbo um and my understanding is that that's one of the disappointments with this with this bundle is that you can't ban akuma especially in online play you'll end up playing against someone with akuma and if they know what they're doing you're you're pretty much auto lose i don't know if that's just some butthurt conversation or if that's a fact but uh, it seems to be something that perhaps banning a character from your online play stuff is a thing uh, in the future who knows um for me my favorite uh, Street Fighter character um, is specifically from Alpha 3, I believe. Uh, although I kind of really dug down on him, and like I said, Street Fighter 4, where I actually jumped into the game uh, in a bigger way. And that was Guy. And I, he's not a popular choice at all. Uh, he's a little, uh, how can I put it? He's a little uh, little flamboyantly ninja-y. Um, but I don't know. There's something fun about I, Just playing his character, I feel like I have infinite movement options. He's like this quasi-American slash Japanese samurai dude. Um, he feels like a pretty stereotypical fast ninja-y guy. But yeah, I don't know. There's something about that in Street Fighter that feels uniquely satisfying to me. That's just where I'm at with it. I I mean, he feels like an '80s action hero sub character, sure. and he's and when he I when he brought him to the team, I wasn't ready for the secret emo vibe he was bringing because oh, I, I, so I remember we, we had a match and you got trounced. And he goes, what did he say? Infinite sadness? He goes, eternal sadness. (laughs) Eternal sadness. I I was like, oh, buddy. 
I didn't know you were on medication. I would let you get a couple more hits in. We call it a draw at the end. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like we should probably should probably have a rematch. I think you. I think you you and I should one. have a rematch. We call it a sit down heart to heart, and we're <laughs> going to talk about what's hurting you deep down. <laughs> I'm going to go through. All, your, I'm going to go through your phone. I'm going to invite all of your friends, and there's going to be a cake. It's going to be great. It's going to be hugs all around. Oh, amazing. Um, 420 friendly, this game is indeed. Uh, listen, it's Street Fighter. So if you know how to play, then it's the ultimate game of flow. This game for me, I think it's one of the pinnacle games of like this and Guitar Hero. <laughs> I, I'll throw that out there. Um, we're getting into a flow with beautiful, flashy visuals. I don't know if there's anything better than Street Fighter if you already know how to play. If you don't, uh, the visuals are probably enough to sustain you. Um, you you may get a little frustrated over time, but yeah, I, I think that this is an easy 420 friendly game. Uh, and you know, this one specifically for for from a beginner's perspective, it's a great spot to start playing Street Fighter if you're going to be playing locally with friends. If you got a buddy who's like been playing Street Fighter forever, right? This is a great spot to jump into the franchise. Um, you get to play some of those classic games. I personally feel like the sprite. Uh, animation and and that style of play is a little bit more I don't know I, a little bit more pleasing and a little bit just easier to grasp what's to read with your eyes what's happening on screen you know what I mean yeah um, but yeah if you're if you're playing online or you're interested in like a solo arcade mode then yeah you're probably looking at Street Fighter Five as probably being your move what do you think Dan agree disagree uh, Street Fighter Five is not where you need to land you need to land somewhere else and and only get to that when when the time is right but for the rest of it you're 100 percent right i mean put this game on your shelf just as a gamer because it represents the two bookends of a 30-year uh, experiment in gaming and uh you know it, it'll be a joy to pull out one at one time or another you'll whether it be for a friend or for yourself i i think this one pays off in dividends and it, it cannot be understated how fun it is to have you know six ten people at your house and do either a round robin or winner stick uh tournament and just just see how much uh, joy and rage you can foment uh with a game like this so i say get in there Hundred percent. I'll take it one step further. You can you can bring that that whatever six man party literally anywhere you go now that it's on Switch. So for me, like this is what's blowing my mind. I can take it with me and have a street fight impromptu Street Fighter tournament anywhere I would wish. Well well played. Well played, Capcom. Um what do you think, Dan? We got a lot of E3 to cover. Do we maybe do the responsible thing, talk about some E3 before the smoke sash, or maybe just uh, hit over the smoke Well, sash? let me tell you. Dan played this week. E3. So that's going to be my review for the week. Um, I, I went deep, you know, you, you tasked me with watching the E3 stuff and I, and I gobbled up as much as I could sort of as it was coming out. So um, I say, just to be fair to all the E3 news, we smoke first and then we just rocket oh, through it with so the kind of reckless abandon we've become known for. <laughs> say loved for I was expecting i was expecting a uh, a dignified approach of let's uh, let's get in here uh, get some facts done and then hit the bong but no let bonkers. me get all these facts and figures into this document no fuck that let's throw some dank matter into the afterburner and punch mm. it chewy oh dank you know what this way. going back to han solo you know what this 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 film left me with what's that just such a perfect amount of uh, spoilers guys spoilers skip skip forward 15 seconds if you don't want to hear a little bit of a thing about han solo han goes well what am i gonna call you and he goes chewbacca i'm gonna have to come up with something shorter and he's like 
He's like, Chewy, okay, we can work with that. <laughs> oh, that gives me the fuzzy heart feels right down in the tail. What do you mean you can fly? You're 130? <laughs> you look good. <laughs> uh, let's hit the bomb. Danny G, Danny Smokesash, welcome Pandy down to the, mm, the real sticky icky. Hooey. Pop, pop. Pop, pop. Pop, pop. Sizzurp. I Hip feel like pop. every time someone goes to say sizzurp, I always think they're going to say scissors. And we're talking about art mm. projects, but it ain't that. Right. And when, any, when anybody says scissors, I feel like I need to like advise them the safe way to carry them. Because I've seen some people be reckless with a pair of scissors. It's not something you want to do. No. Nope. Even no. those safe, even those safety focused kid Crayola ones. Yeah, I mean, you could, <laughs> you could cut a jugular with one of those. <laughs> I'd like to see you try, Daniel. <laughs> safety scissor fights brought to you by Andy and Dan. I mean, listen, man. If there's something that could get more exposure and viewership than the purple dungeon squid, I think it's that. I think it's when you and I take some safety scissors and battle to the death. Only one episode, Two? but at least a million views. Two men, one pair of safety scissors, a battle to the death. <laughs> it becomes a real thing, and that's what ushers in the next next like uh, generation of post-apocalyptic culture. And it ends up that the whole mm. world is just chanting for these scissors fights. And in like fight number 397, when I'm facing down like a lithe Ukrainian man with a strong history of wins, and it's a, a climatic battle, I just look back to battle number one and think about how I bested you. Uh, and yeah, right. look upon it fondly. I like in your rich fiction, I've died years ago. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's and a nostalgic I also like, moment. In your heart of hearts, when you think, who could kill somebody with a pair of safety scissors? Your mind goes, oh, you're Ukrainian, dude. <laughs> you know what? My money, to be honest with you, is on the Chechnyans. But I mean, I get where you're coming from. Chechnya? They're hard people, my friend. Yeah, well... Very good. Um, I know that I'm, I will never walk the streets of Chechnya at night without a pair of stern safety scissors in my pocket. Lime green, you know what? so I, I can was, see them in the dark. I always go as far to say actual scissors. Yeah. I don't want to get crazy here, but... Mm, man, that's a lot of nonsense we've been talking about. Dan, I wanted to ask you before we get into this lovely smoke sesh, uh, because we got a lot of E3 to talk about, and it is... Boy, is yeah. it ever waning. <laughs> is it, oh, is yeah. the night oh, ever yeah. beating on? But, um, it is. Did you see... Did you see, So. Our, our good our good pal friend of the show Seth Rogan what's up um, I wish but you know Seth Seth has a, a long storied history of being an affable is affable is affable the right word here I don't know uh, an affable Canadian affable Canadian yeah, uh, being a uh, being a stern smoker of weed and other things um, mostly weed uh, and so you know with Mr. Rogan the other day I watched him uh, take a water bong um, on on YouTube, it was an impressive sight, but it was it was like a next level water bong. So did you did you ever do a water bong? Like have you ever have you ever participated in one of those? I did what I'd like to call the impromptu trailer park water bong. You have a bucket, you have a two liter, you have safety or otherwise scissors. You cut them in half and you create something that's a little bit awe inspiring in the moment. Um. But, I mean, nowhere near what Mr. Rogan has brought to bear. No. So, like, I, I, I too, have done... Uh, I've done... I've done the water bong thing before. I've done what you've described. 
you know, in the in the dark basement of a of a high school experience that happened. But this thing that Mr. Mr. Rogan has is like a next level 2001 a space odyssey vessel. It's called the Stundenglas, I think is the name of it. Have you seen this guy? It's, it looks like a looks like a cylinder. I don't know cylinder cylinder pill shaped. Yeah. Marvel of modern science. It's uh, yeah. It it turns the Yeezy on a Yeezy. Yeah, it looks like something you would like enjoy at the science center on a field trip, but then it gets you high. Yes, something to learn about osmosis and greenatosis. Yes, it is the pinnacle of medical devices used for smoking cannabis. Yeah, water bongs have never really been my thing, but I feel like it's strange that no one's really commercialized a water bong to this point. It's fascinating. It seems like an oversight. Now you're saying water bong, but you mean is the term gravity bong? Because I mean. All bongs have water in them. That's do fair. They not? That's a fair point. That's a fair okay, point. Thank you. Uh, no flag on that play. Anyway, I'm interested to try this student glass someday. Probably a day when I have nothing else to do and uh, <laughs> no podcast to record. Now, can I ask you a question? And, and this this is a, maybe a skill testing question. Sure. Would the student bong work in space? Uh, it's called the Stunden glass, and um, I don't know. I don't know. I think so. Because, like, you're creating a suction, right? I think suction is still a thing that works in space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it, would, it work in, would it work in Australia? Because everything spins the it other way. It would work in Australia. I'm going to venture that it wouldn't work in space, and so maybe we'll consult uh, one of our science people. Yeah. Um, but I think it relies on a, a force that we like to call gravity. Yes. Well, Roberta Bondar, hit us up. Let us know if you want to take a bong into space. Let's go ahead and Who's jump in. Roberta bong? Order of Who's Canada. Roberta I believe the first female astronaut in space. Come on. Uh, Bring it together. Yeah. Come on. My now. bad. Proud my Canadian. Bad. My bad. Proud Canadian. Yep. 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 All right. Well, welcome to the smoke sesh where we smoke on some cannabis. And we're going to do that right before jumping into a very long and protracted and penetrating <coughs> analysis of E3's video game offerings this year. Um, I feel like I've, I feel prepared for that, Daniel. And at the same time, I'm a little concerned that after this OG Kush, it's no longer going to be a thing. This is a bad plan, what we've constructed for ourselves. But I mean, that's never stopped us before. No, I, I think you're probably right. Um, yeah. So this OG Kush is, uh, uh, may I tell you a little bit about my nug? Oh, please. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, so this OG Kush is a tight, small little fella. Um, I, I don't know if I've just gotten like a weird trim of this of this plant, but it's tight, it's small, it's compact. Um, the uh, the color, the leaves are uh, just a an, almost a they're a darker green. They're a darker green for sure. Little orange hairs dotted throughout. Um, quite a frosty nug. Probably one of the frostiest that I've come across. And what's what's beautiful about it is. The smell it's giving off, I mean, I want to say it's like classic cannabis, which makes sense because OG Kush is, per the name, an OG of the cannabis world. And yet, there's just something so classic and comforting about this smell. It's like, uh, woody, earthy, like, yeah, it's like a, it's like a, yeah, I mean, vegetal, woody, earthy, and there's just a little bit of either, maybe we could call it sourness at the end there. Ah, it's just delightful. It's got like almost like a, a refreshing lemony scent after the very weighty body of it. Just a beautiful thing. Can't wait to uh, give this a give this a smoke in the peeper, Dan. Put it in the old peeps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the OG Kush is a good choice. Now, where did you get this particular nug? Uh, I picked this guy up. Where did I pick this guy? I think a friend gifted this one to me. Yes, I was gifted this a friend quite a while, from a friend quite a while ago in a in a med tanner nonetheless. So it was a little two for one uh, two for one treat. 
A friend with weed is a friend indeed. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. What about yourself, Dan? What you got going on? Um, I have uh, a varietal that you corrected me on. I thought what I had purchased is uh, La Chocolat. Oh. But what I'd actually purchased is an L.A. chocolate. <laughs> oh, L.A. Yes, um, L.A. L.A. Conf- yeah, yeah, I know that. That's the Broken Coast one, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Which I think is a, a permutation of what, what's the what's the what's the other parlance? Is it what is it called? Uh, uh, oh no, it is. It's that's its actual name. Sorry, because you said L.A. Confidential. But. Uh, yeah, that's one of the. I believe that's one of the the uh, genetic parents of L.A. Chocolate. I think it's L.A. Confidential uh. with something else. Yeah, probably. Probably. Uh, we'll have to take a look on Leaflet. Now, looking at this nug, this is, to date, the frostiest nug I have encountered. When I pick it up, it goes ahead and uh, just dusts my fingers. Oh. Um, and, uh, is it like a it, jamminess? It or quite what, a what, what direction are you there? So, pardon me? Is it like a jammy? Like I, I know that sometimes when there's all that, like right now I've got some jamminess on my fingers. It's not. It's not jammy. It's it's leaving behind uh, uh, just like a dusting in its path. There's really, really, really big um, the structure of of the nug. Very large components. Popcorny is the way I'd say it. And the hairs are incredibly long and distinct. You can see each one, and they 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 twirl about the bud structure in a, in a very pleasing way. Um, the smells is kind of mild compared to what um, some of the other things uh, that from Broken Coast it comes from, but this one has such a grounded nose to it. Nice. This thing smells like coffee. Oh, okay. It smells like coffee. It smells like soil. And it smells like a classic sort of... Uh, like like you said, like a cannabis smell, but right. I would call it probably woody. Yeah, and, but it's very mild. It's mild across all of those all of those elements. But it, you know, it's very chunky as a bud. I I haven't seen a varietal quite like this, so I think it's a little bit unique, at least from my experience. Nice. And the leaves, the leaves themselves. You know, the pasta shells that look like seashells. Yeah, I believe they're called. Shell. Sh- shells pasta, pasta nice. shells yep we are cultured we are cultured we are gourmands learned um, that in italy this yeah while well, you were in tuscany that's uh, the south the south of <laughs> Pro- provence no that's not anyway please continue uh, pull up um no it's uh it, it looks the leaves themselves look like these pasta shells oh um, which is is pretty unique uh, to my eyes as well well lift it up to your ear can you hear the ocean i can hear It says, smoke me. <laughs> smoke me. Yeah, nice. What? Oil can. All right. Well, I haven't, uh, haven't had enough cannabis for this conversation. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and partake here. You can, uh, as Jeremy Irons. I love when, when you've had enough. I can tell you. Like, oh, uh-huh. okay. When you get five uh-huhs, you know it's over. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Dan's had the floor for too long. Time to <laughs> shut it down. Uh, no piercing, piercing analysis of LA chocolate. Well done, sir. Well done. Um, now I'm going to go ahead and, and chow down on a little bit of this OG Kush. I'm going to tell you, Dan. I don't know what it is—your headphones or your phone or whatever the situation—but you sound like a warbling sparrow. So maybe you can fix that, uh, so I don't uh, trip on my ass the next time I listen to you speak. What's your request? Do you want me to hang up and call you back? 
You think that's the You think that's the move? Well, what I know is that I've done nothing. My unplugged and replugged your headphones after your nine unnecessary texts. One was totally required. The rest were superfluous and unnecessary. <laughs> so I'll tell you what. Let's just keep recording because I've got my I've got my my feelings on with this OG Kush right now, which is by the way, extremely supple and beautiful. Why don't you just call me back while I, I make some commentary and you remain silent? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh man. Mmm. There's definitely like a lemony, lemony flavor. Very man, very smooth texture on this guy. Just um, hits the palate like a like a marshmallow fluff cloud. And there's Dan calling back. Hey, Dan, can you hear me? Oh, I can hear Look you. Look at that situation. Audio engineering on the go. Love that. In mid-smoke, no, nonetheless. I was just telling our good friends about how delightfully smooth this all was. But you know what would make this smoother? If you were reading about OG Kush in that, oh, well. that way you like to. Yeah. Smoothness is not the name of the podcast today. <laughs> it's Rocky Road. Uh-huh. But speaking of, of smoothness, Jeremy Irons, please fix everything. What is OG Kush? OG Kush makes up the genetic backbone of West Coast cannabis varieties. Ooh. But in spite of its ubiquity, its genetic origins remain a mystery. This famed strain arrived in Los Angeles in 1995 after being transplanted coast to coast from Florida by its original propagators, now known as Imperial Genetics, along with the Bubba, which gave away to Bubba Kush. There are many different phenotypes of OG Kush, some of which include Tahoe OG, SFVOG, Ghost OG and Diablo OG. Diablo. OG Kush is cherished for its ability to crush stress under the weight of its heavy euphoria. It carries an earthy pine and sour lemon scent with woody undertones, an aroma that has become the signature of OG Kush varieties and descendants. Wow. I like that you descended from Jeremy Irons into the, uh, into the Embra. At some point. Something, something dank weed. Something, 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 something dark, dark side. side. Amazing. Um, boy, I got to tell you, this relaxation, this OG Kush relaxation has settled into me like a warm bath, uh, which is in stark contrast to the crippling paranoia that I experienced after last week's uh, Durban Poison. But uh, so so far so good. So eh? far so much better. Yeah, OG Kush is really is really tickling my fancy here. I had a nice little bowl out of my Sherlock, and you know, enjoying just settling into the uh, motion of the ocean, which uh, is also known as a chair in my kitchen. Why don't you go ahead and so, smoke a little LA chocolate? Retinol Smith says the best strain of cannabis. If I had the ultimate say so, the true definition of dank. Purchase in large quantities if possible as it can heal in multiple facets. Mm. Can you work out after smoking it? Hell yeah. Can you sit on the couch all day and play the PlayStation? you damn right. Oh. I love it truly. And if it was all I could ever smoke, I'd die a happy and high fella. Peace to all. Peace to you, friend. Peace to you. And that's leafly. Retinol, Retinol Smith. You to man. You to man. That's Leafly's uh, wonderful synopsis of this. 
can we just give it up for Leafly? Like every week, reading these cannabis strain uh, little entries and and finding myself enjoying it every time. The boys and girls at Leafly are God sent, and they are they're doing the Lord's work. I'd say you're right. I'd say you're right. You want to go ahead and chow down on some LA chocolate, my friend? Try and stop me. Uh-huh. L.A. Chocolate, bred by DNA Genetics, is a 60-40 indica-dominant strain parented by their cherished L.A. Confidential Indica and Chocolope Sativa. This power couple collectively passes on the best of their qualities. Thick resin production, heavy yields, and a sweet, earthy aroma of chocolate and coffee. Its soothing physical effects sink through the body, keeping you relaxed while kindling the appetite. Ooh, is it stoking your fires, Dan? Uh, I feel stoked and fiery. Uh, I gotta say, you know, not only is that in- inoffensive and smooth and, and a real grounding flavor, um, uh, it, I'm noticing this on all the Broken Coast stuff uh, that I have been imbibing. So smooth, so easy on the throat, and I'm a little bit of a Sally when it comes to these things. So, as I've been reading into this, actually on Leafly, boy, we're shilling so hard. Shilling uh, hard, but it's true. I've I've been reading about this on Leafly that when when uh, the the beautiful green is cured correctly, uh, you get a lot less harshness. Um, you know, when it's given the the proper growth and the cro- pro- proper cure. And, you know, I'm noticing the the cure on, on all this bud is so nice. It's, you know, such well-tended to weed. And it, it, it carries through on the smoke and it, on the on the, the palate as well. And, wow, on the end of this, it, it, I have, like, a wood cask taste in my mouth. And it's it's not a bad flavor. Nice. Um, I've been drinking coffee, so I don't know if that's my coffee breath. But I can taste a little coffee. Have you ever had a coffee strain before, Andy? Uh, you know what? I believe that I've mistaken a strain for having some coffee notes on the nose before. I think I've done so on this very podcast, in fact. But I've not actually had any strains that leave me with that, you know, that kind of earthy cacao, 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 coffee, coffee flavor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At first for me as well. And uh, and this one is, a, this is one of the more unique strains. Yeah, for me personally, that I've smoked on the cast, or I'm or I'm had, really so jealous that you one. got that L.A. Confidential. I was I, or L.A. Chocolate, excuse me. I was really eyeing that up on Broken Coast, and now for the sake of not doing a duplicate review back back to back, I'm gonna I'm gonna abstain. But it, it seems like something we need to get down on off air at some point. Yeah, Broham. Um, let's enjoy some over some Street Fighter. Yeah, let's. This has gotten awfully friendly. It seems like weed has done its part in healing the ages, healing the oh man, the old we wounds. almost we almost broke up up cast. <laughs> You said I said something racist. I explained how it wasn't racist. And then we almost broke up. That's it, man. It was one of those <laughs> defining moments. It's amazing. <laughs> and I maintain Lithu- Lithuanians smell sweeter. They just do. They just do. And listen, Lithuania, we salute you. We salute we you. We salute you. So what do you got for a munchie today, friend? Oh, I am munching on uh, just a golden, <laughs> a golden titled um, golden uh, showers titled delight. I wish you didn't say that. Everybody wishes you didn't say that. <laughs> um, so this is another gluten free delight, and the title really got me. It really drew me in. It's it's called uh, P Not Cups. Now, just hearing that <laughs> name, Mandy. <laughs> just just hearing that name. What do you think of peanut cups? What do you think the drive is on this one? I think peanut cups is making me think of golden showers. So here's what I don't get. 
Uh, and maybe, so, I, once again, everybody wishes you didn't say that because I'm about to eat this thing. But peanut cups are milk-free, peanut-free uh, peanut butter cups, the kind that you'd think you might get from our friends Why? Reese's. Why, Dan? Just wait. These are sunflower-filled milkless cups. They're gluten-free. They're vegan. They're free of all artificial yeah. colors. Did you go shopping with and my mother of, again? I did. Gloria and I waltzed the Venetian waltz into the uh, the grocery nice. store, picked up this single product, and and, and grand plied our way out. Now, this, this thing is free of all Sounds eight like common allergens. Oh, I wish you wouldn't. Um, including, you know what the day after Father's Day is, Andy? I, whew, not sure I want to know. It's Daddy's Day. <laughs> now, Andy, uh, tell tell me, what did you get your sweet sweet Daddy for Daddy's Day? Um, I got my dad a a firm. No, 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 no. Full full Excuse stop. Me. I'm not talking about your dad. I'm talking about your daddy. Well, dude, I can't go down that path because then I'd have to go ahead and spoil the surprise for you, my friend. Okay, so this is so... I can, I, okay, I get it, I get it. What I got my daddy is a nice choker for a sweet, sweet slap pig, but we'll talk about that later. So back to the cups. Um, I just, this thing, I'm just shocked. <laughs> this, thing, this thing is a dab of goodness, and um, I'm just going to, without further ado, bite right into this thing. Okay. On the one hand, it is horrible. <laughs> As it's predicted. Like, it's like I won't mention the company's name now for sure, because I feared this. No, please. On one don't. hand, it does have a chocolate it has a chocolatey coating, which is delicious. But it's like someone has pranked me and taken out the beautiful, somehow granuly as well as creamy peanut butter that normally lives inside and replaced it. With a kind of Vaseline-based peanut butter product. Oh, man. That is... And I've taken one bite. I'm going to take another bite. Nope. Can't do it. No. Listen, all signs pointed... All signs pointed to horrible, and you still expect it to end up in Rome. Oh, man. I peanut butter... I'm like, how do you achieve peanut butter with no peanut butter? Uh, can't be done. I have an answer for you. You don't. You don't. I got to mm -hmm. tell you, though, the universe has once again brought us together. As serendipity would have it, I'm actually, my munchie today is extra chunky, nutty peanut butter. <laughs> that is mm -hmm. that is just too synchronous because just, if you had what I have right now, you'd have a wonderful night going on. As it stands, though, horrible. Just awful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once again, you're getting nutted in and I'm not. I'm having a bite of this lovely peanut butter. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> The, the horrified silence of a man. All right, really bad choice for a podcast. Right, because it is, once it's in you, I mean, mm. it's really there. Oh, Would you like man. to take a drink of water there? I will tell you, the, um, the combination of a dry mouth and extra nutty peanut butter, not a good thing, Brent. Not a good thing. Mm-hmm. No, no. You need to come in well lubricated before you take that. A wow. A wow indeed. I'm going to go ahead and say that LA chocolate makes you a little naughty, Dan. <laughs> brings out <laughs> brings out naughty Dan. Uh, I don't know what you mean, Andy. Mm, all right. Boy, we got a lot of E3 stuff to talk about, friend. Oh, it's a lot. Are you, a lot. Are you feeling sufficiently smoked to move into this E3 segment? 
Yeah, no, I feel prepped and ready. And and every time I think that ha- there there surely can't be just a, as many amazing games as in the past. They can't surpass previous E3s. And I I have to say once again, this is a this is a blowout. There is some there are too many great games to play on this list. Would you agree, Andy? I will indeed. Now, uh, the challenge is, is I want to move into this segment, but I haven't gone to the lengths of creating ourselves an E3 transition theme. So okay. how about we just hold a single sustained note for a second? Uh, uh, E3. 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 Nice. Welcome to the E3 segment where we talk about E3, surprisingly. Isn't that right, Dan? Oh, yeah. This is the entertainment expo that everybody's been waiting for. Three E's. Not two, not four. Three. Three for you, three for me. Three. E3. It feels like we're giving a book report on a book we didn't read and, like, really (laughs) drawn out, really, really drawing out that opener. How many E's does it have? Three. It's when your teacher gives you a 10-minute requirement. She's like, you're going to report about this thing for 10 minutes, and suddenly you develop a stutter, a lisp, and a learning condition. It's the fifth letter of the alphabet three times. Which alphabet? The English one, which also starts with E. (laughs) It's, in that sense, the four E. Which brings me to my comparison of the letter E. (laughs) (laughs) Boy. So Microsoft came out the gate with some heaters. So I I don't know. Like, How do you even preface into this? Because it's almost like E3 starts in a moment. You know, the the, the convention opens and the flood of information starts pumping through. And then it's as if it's as if the gaming world is always this exciting. You're sitting there and they're hitting you with like 8000 interesting release options in a row. And then E3 finishes and it's just life goes back to normal. And I'm in that weird space right now where I'm still digesting what we learned, but I'm not 100% ready for it to be over yet. You know, I, I feel like there's so much uh, info here that as they've really gotten good at hitting the high points at the, at the uh, presentation and then the, the more in-depth star- stuff starts leaking out, the 22-minute real play sessions and some uh, folks get exclu- exclusive demos of the game that are a couple hours long. So you get all the questions during the presentation. Is it this? Is it this? And then as people play it, um, get, get some more hands-on stuff for the stuff that's coming sooner rather than right. later, you get more. So it becomes this like stream of info and I get ravenous on it. So let's just hop well, right I, I in. Just, I want to touch on that because it's like throughout the rest of the year when you have press releases from companies or or whatever whatever way they get it out to the media early access with reviewers or whatever um, it's never quite as holistic a view or of a conversation of an of a game coming out it's it, it you know when you're you can you have the opportunity to get at least with many of the games on this list way deeper than you know the surface thoughts of a reviewer would right so uh, yeah I'm excited to I'm excited to redigest some of this information Microsoft as you were saying came out came out pretty hot uh, with a couple big ones, just jump right into it, I guess. Yeah, so I, I'm gonna waste no time and say the uh, the ha- the Halo announcement uh, for Infinite, the next next in the Halo series, was a, a big splash, and they wasted no time letting us know that uh, in Halo Infinite, you will be seeing 
Master Chief. Uh, now put an asterisk beside that. Yeah, yeah, you're supposed to keep talking. And you hit on another note there, Andy. We're getting, we've heard here a lot of the score from the game that you would harken back to your favorite moments. The uh, the finish the fight song uh, in Halo 2 at, that comes at the end. Oh, yeah. Uh, we don't get a lot of the classic harm, uh, you know, harmonious singing that we're used to, but I would say you could probably expect it. Um so you, you, we get a, a nice shot of Master Chief in an old set of armor, and you can just see his leg and the helmet hanging down. So also got his helmet off. Really? No, I did um, not see this, I, or I missed it. Yeah, right. So this is like three seconds into it. They, they blow that cover off quickly. And if you look closely in the visor of Master Chief's uh, helmet, you can see a reflection of the warthog behind him, oh. uh, the ATV from from the original game. It's beautiful um, that Halo also- has been out long enough and has been a thing long enough because in many ways it still feels like a modern game, right? But it's it's amazing that it's venerable enough for there to be so much nostalgia tied around this game. That's cool to me. Yeah, you know you, the warthog yeah. and the reflection. It you know harkens back to. Uh, Dr. Pepper and potato yep. chips and greasy fingers Mountain and Dew. Mountain Dew yeah. and Timmy's basement. Yeah, you got it, man. It's it, three of your other idiot back to, to the uh, uh, release title on the original Xbox. So uh, you also see the UNSC. Um, it, and and I think in the last Halo, I got to admit, I haven't played it. The, there's a cliffhanger left at where the UNSC and, and Master Chief are. Also, I should mention Master... Well, I'll get to that in a second. Um, but wait a minute. Didn't the UNSC see, go... Just correct me if I'm wrong. But didn't that thing already get blown up in the first one? You know, I, I can't sit here and pretend to know about Halo You're lore. You're not a Halo lore. All my Halo gotcha. lore is like how many times I've killed Joey um, <laughs> versus how many times Joey killed me. Well, that's me. an interesting so question. That's the lore. There's, there's a, that's a rich lore for me. There's a lot of cool <laughs> shit, um, and I know that for sure we can talk about some more of it. But let me ask you, because this is, this is the penultimate question about Halo. Halo for the single player or Halo for the multiplayer? I'm a straight toss-up, man. Uh, going for legendary co-op mode with a buddy... It is how I love to play single player, and to me, that's the game. Sorry, right? I, I should, you can I should run say story. Any- you're right. I should say story mode or multiplayer because the co-op is right. a big part of what makes story mode amazing. And I got the heart of what you were saying, so so right. I answered it thusly. Um, multiplayer is also great; like I love it. But you know, they're both they're both that are experienced better uh, it, as with a buddy, and I'm glad that they they bolted that into the game i agree if with the you. question was single 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 player or multiplayer multiplayer all day i agree with you and i think that you know it's funny because i think back to how many of my memories of you know that xbox era are tied to playing through campaign mode with a buddy on halo like we had this old xbox hooked up in our well at the time it wasn't old it was <laughs> it was brand new we had this xbox hooked up in the loft of my mom's house it was just this unfinished space <laughs> above the garage and that was like that was where uh you know boys became brothers and what i mean by that mm-hmm. is what i mean by that is playing explicitly through um you know legendary mode or what have you swearing probably smoking a little weed and, and drinking the hell out of some highly carbonated drip beverages you could say that's when you and another dude became like a single unit like pushing through the single player like you have to work as a perfect team Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Sure. Yeah. So 
Uh, other things that we notice is we see a Pelican, another original vehicle from the game, uh, UNSC, and you can actually spot a poster in the Pelican that says, uh, fight for her. And that is part of a poster that we see in the first Halo on a bulletin board, and it's uh, fight for her, and it's a view of Earth from the moon. Uh, one of their first, the sort of, uh, you could call it propaganda posters that the UNSC would use. And I, Holy I shit, think dude, it's you, pretty... You like, watched this trailer under a microscope. <laughs> this is incredible. Every detail, memory burned in your mind you must be pumped for halo i cannot um take too much of the credit I, I did have a youtuber point out a couple things to me and i wish i could give him credit i i did not jot that down so my bad i will give you props uh, on the next podcast if mm -hmm. i remember hashtag star um okay so something notable about this as well at the fin the final of the um uh the the trailer you see Master Chief plugging something in the back of his helmet, um, which we're thinking could be an, a, an AI. Okay. Uh, and we do know that Cortana's brain has broken. She's gone a little bit insane, and now she's possibly lost, possibly destroyed. So we're not sure now where this is at. Now, Andy, can I hit you with my big conspiracy thought? Your conspiracy like my, halo my, yeah, my, 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 my theory that may be dead wrong, but I'm going to say I'm absolutely positively without question correct. Okay, go ahead. Fact one, Master Chief is wearing old armor. I think it's the Molnir Mark II. Um, and I noticed that Master Chief's legs are looking a little bit schvelt. They're looking a little bit lean. Now, oh. Master Chief is a man who doesn't skip leg day, okay? Sure. He can flip a tank without a second thought. <laughs> Okay. I don't think this is. I don't think this is Master Chief. Okay, that's interesting. You think it's Some, it's Mrs. Chief? If I wanted to go deep, if I wanted to go deep, deep, I'd say somehow Cortana is a person now. Okay, that's a, <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> so listen, now that's, Bungie, Bungie. I smoked a little LA chocolate. Suddenly, Master Chief's a woman. What are you going to say? Commentary, please. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that should be noted is uh, the boys over at 343 Studios designed a new game engine to make this make this uh, more uh, adventurous, more expansive Halo happen. Um, it's called Slipstream, and uh, the uh, graphics demo, the in 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 engine stuff looks fabulous and you know that these guys have bet big when they they rebuilt the engine um you know when they've been using a, a, a an upgraded engine for many many years yeah well i mean i i, I don't know that halo is a particularly risky bet i think that 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 girl is selling all day long but i agree with you it's nice to see uh, nice to see that i i'm sorry i don't know what the slip space engine is but i'm sure it's groovy man uh, this is the thing like halo infinite is fascinating to me because i've been off the halo track for a long time the last halo that i played i think was Halo 4. Um, I also played ODST and I think Reach, but I believe there's been a Halo 5 since, right? Is that what we're dealing with? What 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 was the last Halo that you played? Uh what's the third one? Um, so let me just take a quick peek here. It's Halo 3. I was just messing with you. Oh. I haven't played uh ODST or anything after that, Reach. None of that. None of that. Um, uh, yeah, let me just see that. here. What are the titles? I may have played Reach on multiplayer, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there was Halo 4 and then uh, the Master Chief Collection, which collected, I believe, 1 through 4, and then Halo 5. So, yes, Halo 5 did come out, and uh, so I, I suppose I haven't been out of Halo for that long. Um, it was only 2015 that the fifth came out. But, again, that is, like, 
three and a half years ago. So fair point. Um, Fascinating. Mm -hmm, there you go. Uh, that's that piercing thought. Hop, hop. But yeah, I mean, it, it's been so long since I stepped into the shoes of Master Chief. Let's assume the Halo sure. Four um, release time. The era. armored, mm -hmm. the armored mechanized boots. Yes, that's it. The the omnipotent green shell. Um, that I, I'm feeling. Listen, I'm not. I'm never buying an Xbox. It's probably never happening. But this is the kind of game that I would take some time to spend some serious moments in the chair with a rental video game system crushing through because the Halo, especially in multiplayer, the Halo experience is one that's pretty hard to top. Andy, why do you make friends? So you can borrow their consoles. To play Halo with somebody. That's it. If you can get the Halo group and not have to buy the Xbox with one friend, boy, boy, howdy, you've made it. Yeah, I feel you on that one. Uh, lightning round question. Favorite Halo gun? I'm going to go basic and say shotgun. Uh, you know, the really? sword is a, a great contender, but that shotgun is just something special, especially when you go, you just learn that perfect distance. You become just a destroyer of worlds. You know, I'm a basic assault rifle guy. I like the assault rifle. It's that approach where it's a little bit more forgiving, you know, if you're not precision. Um, and yet, you know, it, the trade-off is you got to be able to track your enemy a little bit more. Feels good. <coughs> Feel, gives, gives, you that, gives you that forgiveness feels up front. Like, feels like, hey... Did you want to practice your basic video game shooting? It's assault rifle time mm, for you, my Don't hate on the friend. assault rifle. The assault rifle is, a, not a, is hate. a weapon of masters. It is not a hate. It's not a hate. Don't put that hate, Mr. Double Fate. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, there's some there, but there's something special about just turning a corner and just that perfect timing going, blow, Pop. and the person's like, oh, oh shotgunned. Ooh, done. Yeah, I feel you. Yep, I got you. I mean, the thing is, is Halo, Bungie specifically, in Destiny and in Halo, have always done a great job of making each gun feel delicious. And I feel like the distinct the distinct feeling of shooting the Halo assault rifle is one that is, uh, well, I said it, distinct. It's like, it, it, boy, it's, it's an experience, and it's also one that I can remember all these many years later. Yeah, yeah, well said. Very true. Right. Gotcha. Um, what else happened next? Uh, da, da, da. We only talked about one game. Let's talk about the many more. Uh, I am looking forward to Halo, though. Definitely will be jumping into Beauty. that. Sekiro, yeah. Shadows Die Twice is coming out from software. Um, this is like an open world. I got to say it. It looks a lot like Dark Souls. It's like, an, it's like a Japanese samurai version of Dark Souls with some undead going on in there. Is that? Am I reading this right? Yeah, I mean that's been that's been served up, and, and initial uh, initial takes were, were that. And From Software is responsible uh, in part for the Dark Souls series, I mm -hmm. believe. Um, and there's there was definitely some uh, lookalikes here. It looked like a lot of challenging combat. Um, you know, the same balance of you know enemies to your player. Um, the it, timing and, and strategy seem to be very important, and it, and it had that look. Now, as we dove in deeper into this samurai um, epic, you know, we see some differences. Uh, unlike Dark Souls, we got no uh, character customization, no stat leveling, no multiplayer, no weapon and armor collection. Right. And, you know, you, th you think about leveling up inside the Dark Souls game, and even in RPGs, it's hugely important. Mm. Um but just like the gear grind and gear, I think it can be limiting. Um, you know, something that 
the original Dark Souls had that was I thought was great was this branching, non-linear exploration that was available to the player. Um, you know, and and what limited that for me, and I got to tell you, the original Dark Souls knocked me out because of this aspect is you could go anywhere, but if you hadn't grinded the levels right, got the right gear, you just get murked. You get eaten alive by what's there, which mm-hmm. I get. Like It has a place in games. But what I love about what I'm looking at here is it looks like that nonlinear branching path and you can go into any direction. If If level and gear isn't a thing, it feels like you really have the freedom to go everywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you on that. Um, you know, I, I'm torn on the topic of does gear and leveling uh, a game make? And when you talk about Dark Souls, to me, part of the RPG experience is watching that bar fill up. Part of the RPG experience is uncovering loot and taking a different cut at each playthrough by virtue of the loot that you're choosing. So when I read No Leveling Grind, when I look and see no gear acquisition, um, it puts me in the shoes of like a third-person action game, right? A third-person action game where even games like Zelda at this point are giving you a wide swath of you know weapons to equip and a wide swath of, of gear to swap in and out because that level of customization for me is the reason why an ARPG is fun and exciting. So the What's, the just to, just to put a button on it, the idea that this is a Dark Souls style game that it, in my in the back of my mind is a game that's about optimization. It's a game that's about you know trial and error because often you're going to find yourself uh, being taken down again and again and again until you learn the proper rhythm of attack. And I just I feel like that extra little bit of benefit and customization that comes when you bring in elements like equipment and gear and leveling and skills and abilities. I feel like that that may be a miss for me. You know, it's it's funny because what I, I, I get what you're saying, and by the same token, I would say Zelda is actually one of the games that straddled this really well because, you know, you do have gear that, that you're acquiring and, and you're getting more hearts and whatnot, but you did feel like you could, in some degree, go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it kind of bridged, it kind of straddled these two worlds. I like that what it says is, is that the difficulty in the get the leveling up is you getting good at this fight system. And they have doubled down on that. What I would say sets us apart from Dark Souls 2 is every fight is about timing and being creative with your attacks, um, you know, right up to the bosses. And it's like I find in Dark Souls there's a lot of dodging and waiting for your moment and attacking at the right time. This is about a sword fight that the, the um, developer said this is a game about the clashing of swords and you see this in the systems that they seem to be put on put on here you have a posture system that replaces what you consider the stamina bar right um reflecting how well you time your at blocks now your enemies have the same thing so if you're timing your blocks correctly you're more likely to put them off balance and have a, a big opening that can lead to a finish that is as they said in the presentation a spectacular show of blood and gore oh, that's spectacular uh, and that's what you're looking for a little bit more blood a little bit more gore um but that's that's actually really interesting me, to me because uh, even in breath of the wild you know there's a parry system Right there's a parry system. Um, you know it's in plenty of plenty of games that are are action oriented combat, and I find that that's almost more interesting to me than the dodge slash roll and attack approach. You know, like to me, the idea that you have to anticipate those enemies' movements and and plug in those inputs in tandem with their attacks in order to mount your counter attack that that definitely seems like a combat system that I'm interested in, especially in this style of game. 
Right. Yeah. It puts the burden of skill right there with the player. Um, I'm not saying you know, the other, the other option eat- doesn't. You know, I mean, you got like a Witcher style combat system where you are dealing with, you know, jumping and dodging out of the way. And that's satisfying in its own right. I just feel like it's not you know, Dark Souls. I know I spent a lot of my time doing the dodge thing. You know, um, and I feel like the uh, it's boy, it's awfully granular to be talking about dodge versus parry, but it's it's like relevant in games where most of your time is spent in combat. You know, what are you doing and what are you looking for? It's just a nice change of pace. Yeah, yeah. Witcher's funny because it did a little bit of both in the sense that the Witcher says, "Oh, you're fighting a humanoid that's swinging a sword at you. No problem. Do your sword play, block, parry, counter." Then it's like, oh, you're fighting a griffin. You're not parrying those claws. No, dog, not doing, not doing that <laughs> thing. Happening. I mean, so I got, um, I got to so- ask. Like, are hard games? Because you know, Dark Souls was an, an the niche title when it first came out. You know, Dark Souls drops, and people are like, wow, look at this thing that's ridiculously hard. And you're, you're across three titles now. People are loving the extremely challenging gameplay, uh, which in the past has not made necessarily for particularly mass market successful games. And yet Dark Souls comes out, does this thing, and now we've got a game like Sekiro. And I don't know, is this, is this, is this the, new, the new interesting? Is it we've moved past, in general, moved past games that are uh, you know a, a walk through, walk through the park or a piece of cake or highly story focused to also having a space on the table for, for hardcore games? What do you think? I think it takes all kinds, man. That's why Nintendo is thriving and From Software is crushing it. Right. You know, because they, you, some people want the one way, some people want the other way. And, and I think you need a balance. It's like peanut butter. Sometimes you need soft and creamy. Sometimes you need that hard and nutty. And other times it should just be made of Vaseline and fakeness. I like what you did there. <laughs> so, uh, I, what I really like about this, of course, is the aesthetic. And actually, you know what? I'm kind of I'm kind of burnt out on traditional European high fantasy kind of situation, right? Like the Dark Souls aesthetic is one I will definitely pick up when it comes to the Switch or when a Dark Souls Souls Four comes out. But the fact that this is like what samurai kind of bushido? How would you describe it? It, it, it is like sam- pretty samurai focused, yeah. Yeah, I think the word they use is a shinobi. Shin- and okay. e- e- right. And it's it's funny because I'm glad that you're saying this because there's a, a, a number of samurai type games in development. It's like there's some parallel thinking going on. So mm-hmm. stay tuned. Down podcast. You know what game I have seriously been considered picking back up again and really enjoyed when it first came out? Jade Empire. Did you ever hit that one with Bioware? Jade Empire has been jotted up on my mental board of games to play, and I even downloaded it once for the computer and didn't follow through. Well, I got, it's, it's, so it's blowing my mind, but Jade Empire is now available for your iPhone. And this is what, like, it's crazy because uh, KOTOR is available for your iPhone too. There's just something very strange about playing those games that what's funny is in my mind are still extremely comprehensive, systems-rich masterpieces of gaming, and then doing it on a smartphone where you're like, tapping on the same button you use to make calls <laughs> to, to, you know, swing your lightsaber or turn into a giant floating tiger. Strange little paradigm shift. Yeah. Your brain's going, what's happening? Your here? brain's like, this is not a thing. This is not, a, this should be played with a state of the art original Xbox controller. Absolutely. It's got to feel a loaf of bread or nothing. Absolutely. I want to take this down uh, another path because I'm super pumped about just about everybody in the world is um, everybody in the world. (laughs) Barack Obama, he's thinking about CD Projekt Red's Cyberpunk 2077. 
is this game a is going to take forever to come out i'm 100 percent sure cd project red of witcher fame is going to do this one do this one justice i expect to not be disappointed in the slightest and yet you know the idea that it's going to be air quotes done perhaps in likely 2019 doesn't give me hope we'll be playing this before 2020 and what a shame because this game which is would you call it a would you call it a cyberpunk version of the witcher that's what it feels like at this point right no, I don't think it does. I think I think that's that's the wrong way to think about it. Oh I think man, that, strong opinion. That well, I mean, so you're it, fucking it wrong. It looked Andy. like it was gonna go that way, Andy, and I, and I I had that thought, but everything got flipped on its ear when we learned that a this is all going in first person perspective. So it, it seems to be more about you creating your character. You know, your character. We know your character's name V regardless but you, you pick everything else about it yep. uh, them in sense male female clothing tattoos um i don't think you can make an abomination like you can in dark souls so it's a little bit more restrictive um you know but th- you know this has been in the works uh whispers since 2012 um and it looks like it's going to be fps um and some driving style combat so to me this feels like like a shadow run meets the movie drive <laughs> right yeah the, the feeling that like, like the, neon yeah. cyberpunk neon cyberpunk shadow i mean not not too far away from a deus ex also and you know what with a 10 percent night rider there's like a little bit of a night rider a little bit vibe of a night rider this. vibe in there yeah i mean listen you may be correct and now that i've you know now that i've mentioned and gone through the full thought exercise of you know what makes uh the witcher it, uh, fundamentally it comes down to good storytelling and you're right this is not um this is not necessarily Geralt. Perhaps it's less focused than that, but at the same time, um, you know, creating your character custom or what have you, I still feel like it's going to have a strong character focused narrative. I feel like regardless of it's going to be a, I feel like it's going to be a mass effect kind of thing where you've got commander Shepard and he could look like the commander Shepard in the trailer, or he can look like commander Shepard that also looks like Dennis Rodman, but that, that commander Shepard is going to have a similar tone and similar journey in an environment where they have opportunities to customize their experience through side quests or, or perhaps even different paths. I'm hoping this is my, this is my hope for 2077. Cool. Yeah, I think it is cool. Andy, did you hear, um, uh, or do you recall in in The Witcher, Siri has a weird. What it struck me as a weird aside with Geralt by, by a fireside about three quarters of the way through the game, where she talks about where the elf that has been protecting her, his name starts an E, like Halloween or something, has took her to a world through a portal, and they had flying cars and people that fought wars at a distance and uh, they had metal in their heads do you, re- do you uh, recall no, this I fireside do, I, chat I, I don't recall that it was so out of uh, I, go ahead and check it out on youtube it'll, a little bit of googling will get you there at the time i was like that's so weird and CG, cd project red does both these games and they've been working on it since 2012 so you know part of their studio was so deep in it they just they wanted to leak some lore so so Dank Dan's deep conspiracy cut of uh, for this game is Siri makes a cameo in Cyberpunk 2077. That'd be neat. That'd be neat. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because you, I feel like I know CD Projekt Red so much, so well, excuse me, because of The Witcher 3 and the time spent in it and how um, distinctive that experience was. 
And yet, that is really the only game I've ever enjoyed by them, or played by them, rather. I shouldn't say enjoy because it suggests that there were sneakers. But uh, my understanding is this: that this is their. Am I correct in saying that this is just like The Witcher was their thing, and and they haven't released another game since? Yeah, I'm not familiar with any other titles. I know they're they're fairly new as a studio, um, and they have a great set of ethos, in, if I can use that word, as game makers. They have been pretty stabby on the loot box front, um, letting out tweets like, um, "We'll leave the we're leaving you know loot boxes out of our games. We'll leave greed to other people." Oh man, that's 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 a stern cut. Yeah, I which is and listen, it's the way know, to ri- it's the wave to ride right now. If you're hyping your game, it's it's certainly there. It's the authentic voice of the of the game population, right? Um, and yet they're in a fundamentally different position than many of the studios that employ those strategies for making money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know what? I, I so love that you cheer behind it cause it's a swipe at EA for sure. It's a swipe at uh, these other big companies that are writing it into the profit model. And I would say that's who he's taking a swipe at. It's also really comfortable to say something like that when you're a massively successful studio off your first IP that you got for a song that you deservingly smashed out of the park three times in a row and just, you know, making continuous refinements and they deserve the accolades, but it's pretty comfy to to, to then take it at, like if we're talking about free to play games that have some monetization, you can forgive that. <laughs> but uh, I love the shots that are being uh, fired across the bow of some of the the more naughty developers that have you know secretly put in uh, big time revenue streams into their game. Yeah, I mean, anyway, the the debate rages eternal, but it doesn't have anything to do with my level of excitement about Cyberpunk 2077, which I think is my most anticipated game of E3. You said it. You said it, Andy. And you know, this time, I think we might see him cry. Hmm. Mm. Gears of War 5 is coming in 2019. I played the original Gears of War in a in a week. I was trying to segue you into Devil May Cry so hard. <laughs> you didn't want to talk you about just, Gears of War. You just girded your loins <laughs> and just powered through that transition. <laughs> uh, Gears of War 5. So I played through the original Gears of War um, in a weekend. You know, it was one of those 10-hour sessions where a friend and I tried to get into this game to the same level that we did Halo. Uh, And it fell short for me a a number of ways, which is why I never played the sequels. Gears of War 5 is now the the numbered title coming out. Um, According to Microsoft, it's the biggest, most beautiful Gears world ever created. So unsurprisingly, and much like everyone else who's creating an adventure slash FPS game, uh, they're going for as open world as possible because that sells. Um, People can play solo or with a friend. Uh, either online or local split-screen co-op, which I'm pumped about, despite the fact that, again, another Xbox game I probably won't be picking up. Uh, Local split-screen co-op is a dying animal, and I really want it to not be, because it is among my favorite ways of enjoying a game. Um, It will also be out on the Xbox Game Pass, which is fascinating, because... You know, as I'm as I'm starting to realize that this is part of their model, releasing all of their flagship titles on the Xbox Game Pass, I'm starting to realize just how hard they've committed to this concept of a monthly pass that allows you to access games like Sea of Thieves and games like, you know, obviously Gears of War Five. I'm curious. Do you think that Halo is going to be on that pass? You, you got to think it is, right? I feel like it. Their core, their core player. You know, that's these these the big. 
he's the big weight on the bench, so they're gonna they're gonna deploy him. Yeah. If PlayStation were to go that direction, if Sony were to go that direction, what you know, what IPs do you think would be on a like a Sony pass? You know, their exclusives bench has been so deep, so they they can pick and choose, and they already kind of do. You know that, but they do it with a lot of their backbenchers. You know, they don't even have to go to the front row. They they sprinkle them in every once in a while. But to answer your question. They could go uh, uh, the Horizon series, which they're continuing. They could go um, Spider-Man. They could they could sprinkle in a sports franchise if they wanted to. They could do an MLB The Show, and it would be it would be a blowout, right? Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right on that. It's an interesting model. Um, I like the idea. I don't know. There's something distinctive about being able to purchase. How can I say? Uh, I don't know that subscription services for my games are ever, are going to feel like value to me until it's like to a Netflix level. You know what I mean? There's just something that I like about being intentional around the games that I purchase. That bit of agency is part of the hobby for me, you know? Uh, and I feel like having a Netflix style catalog of, of exclusive video games available, available to me would for at least for now take away from my experience a little bit. Am I crazy? You're not crazy, man. Uh, Sega TV tried to do it so hard they made such an effort at it you could do this huge list of sega games right right through the internet and uh, right through the right cable. through the interwebs and, and, and it wasn't even the internet it was like base band tv technology and it was so ahead of its time and revolutionary and sega deserved to get that but nobody was nobody your spoiled friend terry was the only kid that whose parents would spoil him with like paying extra on the cable bill so you can play that damned game like before the internet before subscriptions were a thing like it just was so it was so ahead of its time and sega doesn't get enough property dops for that and they deserve it prip zip doppity dops and to be fair i would pay for a sega tv now because I don't know that Sega's doing much in the way of uh, of the same level of glory they were in the olden days, um, but you know, subscribing to a Sonic service or something like that, I, I could see myself doing that these days. Sega's making some pretty good games, of which I can't list, so I, w- I won't attempt it. But you know, they've 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 come back on the game front, and they've just been done so dirty. They've had a lot of bad luck. Um, while we're while we're giving out props to people with revolutionary ideas, Nintendo gets it even before that. With they made a technology for rewritable cartridges, where the idea was you could take your cartridge to the store and they would flash it with an, for another with another game. Um, you know, for a limited cost, and so brilliant again because you have like a, just a different distribution model that's really pre it's pre-internet, and but it has that vibe to it, right? Um, and I, you know, another one that was just kind of ahead of its time. The idea, actually, it's that's so. It's funny because what you're describing right there is so off-putting to me, and yet it's really no different than than buying a game and bringing it into GameStop or EB Games or whatever and trading it in for another one, right? It's really the action is is functionally the same but to me the first one is a savvy trading of games and an understanding of you know uh the value of of one of these little hobby pieces that we all spend our money on um and the other one is like this soulless exchange of data it's almost the difference between buying a physical copy of a game and playing it on a rom it just doesn't feel the same it it parts the kimono too much. Not only are you you making a dear friend in this game, then you're walking him to his his death. You know what I mean? <laughs> to the execution chamber, and it, it it takes all the illusion of value away from it. Oh, it's all just data. 
yeah. you know, you bought the cartridge isn't this thing that this is Contra. You know, Contra is just a num uh, a, a, a list of zeros and ones is written to a small chip, and it can be wiped away at a moment's notice. Yeah, that's true. It's like the difference between getting a delicious burger cooked for you by Bobby Flay and Bobby Flay handing you a bag of ground beef, a burger, and a bunch of, well, cheese and telling you to go have at it. So, Andy, when the solar flare that, that wipes out all of our stored data on all our volatile chips hits, do you want to start a business with me called Flash Your ROM and we'll, we'll take your Contra cartridge and put Contra back on it? <laughs> Maybe we'll come then. to your house where you have 75,000 games, you know, the collectors, and we'll just, we'll hit every game. We'll be there for three days, but we'll, God damn it, we'll get them all back. Like the Ghostbusters. Uh, before we move on, I think it's pertinent to ask, whew, I got to say, boy, that OG Kush is settling in beautifully. Just had another little, little hoot on the bowl, and do I ever feel relaxed? Um, Gears or Halo? Halo. Yeah, Halo all the way. It's, there's really no contest for me there. Minimal interest in Gears, but could definitely go back to Halo. Go back to the well for that one. Capcom is making Devil May Cry 5. We talked about it last week when, we, uh, when I ragged on Bayonetta. Um, and for some reason, despite the fact that that was a decidedly Devil May Cry experience, according to the collective interwebs, and also a rather uh, distasteful experience for me, I'm pretty pumped about Devil May Cry 5. The, uh, the gameplay, the small amount of gameplay that I saw in this trailer got me pumped up. Yeah, yeah, you know what? It looks like if you like Devil May Cry, it's more of that with some better things and over-the-top junk happening. Um, I don't know about Nero, I'm not. I gotta be honest. I, like, I feel like Dante was the Devil May Cry experience that I want, and Nero is the, uh, the tit well, sorry, not titular, but the protagonist of this particular Devil May Cry uh, with his demonic arm or what have you, um, and I think he's from Devil May Cry 4. I imagine it was Dante for the pre previous three installations. I, yeah, I want, I want my old vampire bro back. Yeah, I think it's, the difference is going to be so incredibly negligible. Uh, and I would venture you're probably going to play both of them. And for this one, um, I'm going to say I'm going to let my little brother play this. I'll let him take that territory. And I'll venture further that you're not going to like this game, Andy. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, I, I loved the original Devil May Cry. You know what? I'm going to rephrase that. I think I will enjoy this. Bayonetta wasn't for me for a lot of reasons, and many of them were the aesthetic in the story. I feel like Devil May Cry, those earlier titles, I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying they're Hemingway, but I am saying that there was a followable story that justified the violence and the vibe was there in a way that made me want to play through it. And actually, now that I'm looking at it, there, there are going to be three playable characters in the game. So hopefully Dante is one of them, because uh, if not, that's, that's the pits. Battletoads. Battletoads. Did anyone expect Battletoads? Wasn't on my radar, Big Sugar. No, dude, hasn't been hasn't been on my radar since I was, you know, playing the Sega Genesis. Um, I will say, Battletoads is the punishingly most difficult game that I've ever had the displeasure of playing. Love the game to death. Hate that horrible jump bike, whatever hover bike scene. Real tough. Battletoads was the game that separated gamers into two camps the ones that could dodge the jet blocks and the ones that could not no no no. let me tell you what and the issue was i only ever wanted to play that uh, game oh, co-op please do i only ever wanted to play that game co-op and when you're co-op you've got two chances to lose 
I posit that even if you're of equal strength with your partner in jamming the shit out of that, that sequence, you've only got so many lives to expend. You can probably make it happen by yourself, but when it's two people with a shot to be destroyed halfway through the very long chase sequence, almost impossible. Chances approach zero. Andy, um, you know, you're saying something there. And I think what it comes down to is who can survive long enough to be the guy that inevitably is doing the last hover bike run, right? Because it eventually falls down to one and then you got to do it. I remember when I cleared that part of the game, I'd been, I tried it so many times. I was just surprised that I'd cleared it. Right. I was like, just, I was like, oh, the, the level's a different color. Yeah, yeah. And then you, the things rest are, of the level is happening. no picnic either. So you die and then go back well, to the beginning of the jet bike scene and that's it. That's, that's the fucking well, point where you want to No, play. no. Like, it, I mean, you're kind of halfway there. It's that at this point now I have one life. Right. <laughs> and like, yeah. you die shortly thereafter. Yeah. Mostly because you're like, you haven't been able to close your mouth out of the shock that you've beaten the part. Because for those who haven't played, the reflexes that it requires um, to get through this this mode where you're riding a hover bike through islands covered with uh, stone barriers and jumping, it cannot be overstated how difficult this is. It's like the, yeah, boy. Anyway. It's like threading the eye of 20 needles. I'm three quarters of the way to an row. aneurysm thinking about it again. It's, it's giving me stress. <laughs> it's giving me stress palpitations. Not feeling it. Uh, the remake looks interesting, though, because everything else I love about Battletoads, love the aesthetic of it, love the premise of doing battle as a toad, big old space toad. Um, this remake will have, and I quote, body morphing genre mashups, which I do don't know what that means, but there is three-player couch co-op, and that it, makes me ask why not four-player. But I'm kind of excited about that. I think it's body morphing because they're like frogmen. Yeah, well, I know, like toad guys. Okay, cool. You said you didn't know what that meant. I just oh, I, I thought there was like an additional it. mechanic involved here. I'm I'm reading about battle toads. I'm looking at some of this 2.5D graphical situation. Which, by the way, 2.5D, cool or sucky? Because I feel Good. like... Yeah, I like it. I, dis- I totally I like feel it. like it's sucky. It's reminding me well, of the Secret of Mana uh, reboot. Not reboot, excuse me. Remaster that they did recently. And there's just something about those those distinctively 2D shapes and sprites that I like so much more than like a 3D rendered side view. I think 2.5D also kind of refers to the idea that you get a little bit of depth in in, in the sprites, but also the board has depth to it as well. It's not like a flat plane. Like there's dimensionality. You can go up and down and left and right. Right. Yeah, I mean, fair point. Um, just actually looking at looking at the graphics on the trailer. Uh, I can, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's attractive. It's definitely not to the same level of, I'll go ahead and call it disappointment that the Secret of Mana um, uh, visuals look like. But... Still, to to my point, I prefer the I prefer the classic sprite graphics. Anyway, it seems it seems like a well, it does seem like a, a beautiful game, but also like one anything with couch co op, I'm in. Platformers with couch co op, I'm feeling you. Yeah, damn right. And it's a classic, so hell yeah. Uh, Bring it back, dude. Microsoft is working on a new Xbox. Kind of knew that was coming. Quel surprise! Quel surprise, Monsieur. Who knew it? 
that they would be making another video game platform as well. I thought they were just going to call it a day. Yeah. Like, nah, nope. we're done. Magnum opus achieved. That's it. Good night, everybody. Um, we're doubling down on the Zoom. The Zoom? <laughs> yeah, the Microsoft Zoom. Oh, ha ha. An iPod. Ha ha. I'll make a note on my Palm Pilot to laugh at that next time. Um, please do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Microsoft, listen, Microsoft overall, pretty strong. Pretty strong. Lots of cool stuff. Unfortunately, two exclusives that I'd love to play, but no dice. I don't know how CJ, CD Projekt Red got in there. That's funny. We just decided to, to sandwich that right into Microsoft, but hey, whatever. Bless us. Um, Bethesda's got some cool heat coming too. Actually, it's got some serious heat coming in the form of Doom Eternal. A new Doom title coming out. Yeah, that's sequel to their uh, very successful uh, Doom re-release. Um, and uh, we're going back to hell, buddy. Going back to hell, my friend. Back to hell we go. Are you down Are you down for another trip? Like, Has, has the Doom formula uh, earned its way out? Or are you still feeling like mashing endless hellish corridors of aliens is what you want to do demons really when you you look when you take the gore core gameplay of like gore and demons and everything that doom's doing and you mix it with the the graphic jump we've had i'm ready for another run it's it's really satisfying gameplay the game is beautiful the engine is beautiful it's the reason to buy a new video card right you have two gtx 1080s running you know I want the beautiful modern Nick. Does it does it play great on the PlayStation? I, I probably does. It's probably still, but I mean, like the ultra settings uh, on the PC are something to be, to behold. Yeah, unless you're running a like a MacBook Pro, in which case PS4 all the way, baby. Because <laughs> that <laughs> no it's a good no right? gaming rigs over here. Um, yeah, man. I mean, you know, even from the early days of Doom, uh, it's never been my favorite title, and I think it's because I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit terrified. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm a little scared of this game. There's nothing. It's a game to be scared of, right? Buddy. You know, I mean, look, like just between us girls, is there anything quite as terrifying as playing Doom in the dark? I played a lot is of. Is it behind me, Andy? Is, is it, it behind, behind me? me? And, and you know what? This is what Doom does. So I don't think anyone does demons and high octane action, thrilling FPS with a jump scare every three and a half seconds. Um, better than Doom. It's like it's a recipe for adrenaline. Walls are coming down. Yeah. Por- portals are opening. Is there another human in sight? Not fucking one. Not even a you single know what I mean? one. Not a single one. And while Wolfenstein is like, he's like, it feels like he's marching down the hallways. You know, Old looking Beach. for Nazis. Old Beecher. It feels like it feels like in Doom you're sailing like you're running for your life. Like you have that double speed yeah. and you're like bobbing left and right. Like you're a man gripped by fear. Yes, entirely. And it reflects so that reflects in me in real life, which is why I admire Doom from afar and <laughs> and just understand that it's it's probably never going to be the game that uh, that I spend a ton of time with. Um, Wolfenstein you alluded to, there's a new Wolfenstein coming out. It's called da, 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 is it it's the one with BJ Young Bloods. That's the one. It's BJ Blazkowicz's twin daughters, which is his, yeah, kind of neat. Daughters. I'm feeling it. So yeah. it's alternate. Yeah. It's alternate history. Paris, France during the 1980s, and the Nazis won. Yep. Right. Yeah. It, that's one that doesn't happen. There's never been. Hey, you know what? What if Depeche Mode was playing? Right. But they all look like the Führer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's cool that there's a 1980s feel here because I'll be honest with you, alternate history, World War II, um, 
and whatever, punching Nazis in the face, got old for me a long time ago. World War II games, I was really stoked on when the first Call of Duty came out, and when the most recent Call of Duty, World War II, came out, it, to me, was the, the grandest of eye rolls, because I just, I just don't want to go back there. Similarly, fighting souped-up Nazis feel has the same texture and feeling to me, even though it's a little more high fantasy. But the idea of transplanting that setting into something as foreign to this kind of game as the 80s admittedly holds a little bit of excitement to me. It's got a little bit of something It's got some you, sauce eh? there. It's got some I'm sauce. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Because Andy, about the Nazi thing, and once again, you're just so wrong. Punching <laughs> the Fuhrer is never going to get old, whether it's, you know, for the first time. Like when I think of Indiana Jones slugging uh, an SS <laughs> officer in the face, it brings a tear of joy to my eyes. Yeah. And, and you know what? I, I, I love it every time. It always works. And if it gets old, God love Wolfenstein, because if you don't want to punch the Fuhrer, maybe you want to punch a Mecha Fuhrer. I feel that. And huh? you, here's the thing. Here's the thing. He's got the dangers of fascism and dual rocket launchers. Right. And that's the problem, I think we can agree. I can agree with you in the fact Octum! that, that beating, beating Nazis down is never going to be the wrong move. Because you can get into a Call of Duty game, you know, you can get into the storyline, and at some point you're like, either A, I'm feeling a little bit too close to this iteration of war, you know, and, and it feels a little bit glorifying, and B, you're like, I'm just, I'm killing the same nationality or general nationality of people over and over again, and it's starting to feel disingenuous, right? Nazis, there's right. never a question. Disingenuous is not the right word. That's not the right no, word. No, disingenuous. Like, disingenuous is not like the right it's word. Past, at, at first, there's a scale. The first, like, it's like, <laughs> it's 1980. It's 1980 or 1990. And we're like, yeah, acceptable targets, Nazis. We're killing them. But like 30 years later, we're still killing Nazis. We're like, mm, maybe that's enough. Yeah. Maybe they've had enough. Maybe they've had but enough. But you know what, Andy? We got to thank thank the Germans for for Nazis because they're the ultimate acceptable target. And you take them off the plate. You take robots off the plate and you take aliens off the plate. All you have is uncomfortable realities. Like, who are the bad guys that you put in games? Oh, it's the IRA. They're like, oh, no. Like, that's a really complex geopolitical issue. And we're like, okay, um, what about India versus Pakistan? They're like, oh, worse. Next? Like, there's just not as much. Even, like, what they did in the 90s. You look at movies like True Lies. What's an acceptable target? Uh, even Back to the Future. Uh, ter terrorists from the Middle East, Libyans, you know what I mean? You could just trot them out. Now it's like, it's too, it's almost like it's too real. So all we have now is Nazis. Nazis, robots, and aliens. Otherwise, we have to have uncomfortable conversations. Like the one we're having right now. It's so uncomfortable. I'm super it's uncomfortable. So uncom do, you f do you feel your butthole tighten? I'm, I can feel I'm it. I'm feeling sweaty. I don't want to put this on the internet. <laughs> just and you know what's funny? They're like, hey, who shouldn't talk about this? Two high white guys for sure. <laughs> Not them. So your second, your second thought. Oh, Who else? Do you the have? next thought. How much longer can we do the Nazi, the Nazi death? This just everything feels inappropriate now. You know what I like about Hideo Kojima? What's that? He made characters so ridiculous. Your brain goes, oh, bad enough that like they're like Nazis. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair <laughs> you point. Just, you just you just get there. Yeah, um, yeah, buddy. For me, it's forever. For other people, I get the eye roll. Um, I just have a special place in my heart for you know the first time I punched a Nazi in a point and click, um, Lucas Arts Indiana Jones adventure. I just 
I was hooked. Right. Got you. Um, dude, Elder Scrolls Six announced. Big one. Big one. Skyrim has released on every platform known to man. It's released on my TiVo. It's on my toaster. And it plays automatically when I open my fridge. And we're now moving into a world where Skyrim will be no longer the most current Elder Scrolls. A, no longer the big boy on the block. Nope. A bajillion collective hours of player-dedicated mod support um, suddenly becomes part of a storied past in, in the way of uh, you know a new generation of next-gen mods. And I got to be honest, I am ready for Skyrim to sunset. I'm ready for it to bid adieu. And uh, and yeah. to to bring in whatever the hell new imagination of the Elder Scrolls is, and let's be honest, it's time to let Skyrim rest. It has been chopped and twisted and violated so much. I w- sorry, I wouldn't Just say violated. Me- I would say that game. Um um um, Andy, I'm gonna stop you. Go ahead and and fire up um, Polygon series. Touch the Skyrim oh. by the brilliant uh, McElroy. Um, himself, um, Griffin McElroy, and you see what they've, how far people have taken this Elder Scroll, and it's to the brink, sir. To the brink of to day. Brink. Uh, yeah, man. I, fair enough. I've also seen um, Evil Nightmare Thomas the Tank Engine modded into this game before, so violated. It stands. Fair point. Buddy, that's the tip. Just the that's tip. That's the tippity tip. How about this? Sonic the Hedgehog. No, nah, no. No, oh, yeah. no, thank you. Oh, yeah. How about, you know, the voodoo mask mm-hmm. from um, um, uh, Crash Bandicoot? How about that guy following you everywhere? How about he's all over Skyrim? Uh, so we don't know much about Elder Scrolls Six. Presumably it'll be open world. Can you imagine it's not no longer an open world game? It's a highly focused... On-rail shooter. On, ra- <laughs> on the rail shooter. <laughs> on the rail shooter. It's, uh, it's doing a collab with Doom this year. Um, no, but it's, it's interesting to me because I don't really know where you go from Skyrim from the perspective of um, open world exploration and sky's the limit adventuring like what what do you make more like do you do you add more realism because i feel like past the where skyrim's at more realism feels like just waiting a game down do you make the map bigger do you, like what do you do that's so impressive that the collective community of gamers goes that's more than just a graphical upgrade to skyrim i think you shake up the theme and the location hard right that that's part of the move and they've been they've been good about injecting story stuff that's got a big effect on gameplay like the whole thing with the dragonborn pretty brilliant you know adds adds a lot adds a lot so and and because so much we know this is so much a test bed they build like a construct for their modding army to build another game on top of. So I think part of it is making that that a joyous experience. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I know that Bethesda has traditionally, although not so for an upcoming title that we'll talk about in a second, which is was a shocker to me. But, you know, for the most part with the Elder Scrolls series has been very supportive of, of the modding community. But Skyrim was very much a standalone game. Like, don't get me wrong, it's definitely better if you add in the bajillion mods out there. But I've had plenty of fun with Skyrim on PS4, on uh, on Switch at this point. And there is there's a lot of gameplay to stand on its own there. And so I'm just, you know, I'm thinking 
graphics for sure. Maybe some more systems that more closely mimic real life as and and you know are less uh, gamey. Like for example, the resting system. Maybe there's an opportunity to explore that other than just pressing a button and advancing time six hours along with your health bar. Maybe that's something that they iterate on. But aside from those systems, which admittedly can feel different fundamentally uh, when you're looking at the game as a whole, it's like you know Morrowind and uh, Oblivion and uh, Skyrim all had pretty similar landscapes, if we're being totally honest, somewhere in the general space of you know uh, Western Europe, right? I wonder if there's any opportunity for them to branch out into some aesthetics that don't look, you know, don't look quite as distinctive, but maybe that's not productive. Maybe that's part of the Elder Scrolls charm. I don't know. Boy, I don't know what you just said, kid, but it touched my heart. And I love it. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) That's the, I lost you two minutes ago. (laughs) Buddy, 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 buddy. There was, enough qualifying statements in that that I, I got lost and I was screaming for you to come get me but you'd left me far behind in the edge case conversation there hey can I ask you a favor can we talk about Fallout Shelter and leave this in the rearview mirror we can because they gave us nothing about this game they gave us nothing Andy and we're giving it our everything we're giving it our everything I just I don't know what to I don't know what to expect but I'm sure it'll be glorious anyway Fallout 76 glorious. let's let's go there because here's a game that Bethesda said uh, at least at launch a stern no to when it comes to mod support. They dropped the gauntlet early. And you know why it is? Because they can't handle their shit, Andy. They're not ready to make it both their first multiplayer attempt and let people chop and twist this thing. They're just not ready. You can't it's do too that. much That's power. Silly. That's too much power. It's too much power. So they're saying, okay, kids, we're going to build it. We're going to make the rules and you're going to play by the rules before we let any craziness happen. Because <laughs> we're not going to be made to look silly on this one. Yeah, yeah. Not we're, today. Not take, I'm not taking it on this Todd one, Todd Howard will not be made a fool by nobody. No, sir. No, sir. Um, Fallout 76, I, I got to be honest with you. I love the multiplayer angle. And I know some people are going to be not p- pumped about the fact that it's an always online multiplayer experience. Uh, right, a right there, sitting in the middle. It's the fly on your on your big single player salad, right? It's the it's the yep. unmistakable. Hey, everyone who loves that single player thing, welcome to the world of also dealing with other people always. But yeah, you know, I feel like maybe con- contrary to some other opinions, Fallout is exactly the spot to do that in. Having some quirky wastelanders roaming around who you don't know if they're going to, you know, whip out a ray, ray gun and blast your face off or assist you in, you know, hunting for bottle caps. That's decidedly fallout to me. The volatility of it feels fallout. Am I right? Oh, it does. It does. It, it injects a feeling that's already in fallout, which is like, what am I going to expect from this person? And, you know, what can I count on humanity? <laughs> to shine through or is this a raider right <laughs> right it's the age-old question we've been asking on online multiplayer pvp games since uh since ultima online sorry let me make sure i'm not um jumping to conclusions here there is open world pvp in this in this uh fallout 76 situation right so yeah like it's it's exactly like you're thinking it and um the way they're they're dropping it down i i love it this is one of those games where i was like I've got serious concerns, and right. here's why I'm not worried anymore. Um, you can pick up and move your base, which is huge. 
because I'm like I'm building a base, but I'm doing things like how am I going to move around the world? I want to explore, totally. but do I leave my base? There's other people. How's this going to? You pick up your base and base building. You can base building is a thing that's that's factoring into like for example the newest Metal Gear Solid Fallout Four. Those are two games that notably included base building with resource gathering and um, you know teammate or population management and. I feel like the ability to pack it up, although it sounds super hokey, keeps that part of the game fresh. You're not coming back to a stale location. You can keep it. You can keep it moving with you through the game. Yes, and and it, with a game like this, I think that's key. You know, an, something else that is so key to the argument is the idea that online worlds can feel crowded. That's not fe- Fallout's vibe. So how they're addressing that is very limited population instances which is what i love i mean right 22 people to a large area that's what i want that's the kind of because there can't be five thousand volt dwellers you know there's something taken away when you're playing a multiplayer game and you're up the scary mountain about to see you know to fight the big bad and there's 700 people there you're like it feels like we should be able to take this dragon guys <laughs> it's just Let's just go up there, I suppose. No, but uh, so that makes a lot of sense to me. And a, t- a note that that's going to really make the difference is the idea that you can group up with four of your friends um, and just play together. Right. Um, you know, there they make those allowance allowances, and you know, you get to level up. So those those are the elements about this game that were super super key to me. Um, and it, I think it's such a great social experiment to let this play out how are how like they bethesda has all their feelings about how this is gonna go and fallout has been pretty candid about like you know how dark humanity can get and and how how much light they can bring so it'll see interesting to see the trends that come out online as this thing is actually played out yeah it will be for sure um you know anytime that there's PVP involved. I'm always curious how it'll be executed uh, or how, you know, how Bethesda will manage it again in a game that was traditionally a single player game. So, yeah, we'll see how that all plays out, but I'm excited for it. Um, what I'm not excited for is the Elder Scrolls Blades, which looks like it's, a, it's an iOS game, if I'm understanding correctly. And it's a free to play RPG set in the Elder Scrolls universe. Um, and it looks like Infinity Blade to me. I, I don't, the idea of getting down, especially with. You know, an Elder Scrolls title for which I always have high expectations. Getting down with an iPhone and swiping across the screen in a in a you know a, a horrific mockery of sword play does not sit well with me. What about you? Are you are you interested in this? The videos I saw that uh, this really kind of looked really playable. I was worried it's going to be like an Infinity Blades thing, like tap here, then do this, then do that. It's not like that. Um, the, the 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 combat system actually seems really smooth for this type of game and i love that it can be played in uh portrait mode if you want they're calling it meeting mode because listen if you turn your game on your side on its side you're, you're definitely sorry, your phone on yeah, its side, you're definitely playing a game gotcha like i maybe he's answering an email yeah, yeah. long <laughs> style but no like <laughs> Is, portrait mode, let me just ask you quickly there's no way you can sell that because I imagine when Apple first invented, you know, switching orientation to bring up a keyboard, I imagine they were sitting there going, this is how everybody's going to manage their emails moving forward. I don't know one person. I don't know one person that does it that way. In fact, I'd go so far to say as if you do seek medical help. 
if your one thumb is getting tired, it it can be okay if you're one thumber when it's in portrait, but you want to double down for the two in the in the sideways. No, everything's too far apart. You remember, the original two ways had a physical sideways keyboard. That's how my my phone had a, a, a physical flip-out keyboard, and it was nice because it was all laid out with some space. Right. Um, anyway, I will say that there's no question, as a free-to-play RPG, I'll try the Elder Scrolls Blades. I just... Something about the... Uh, what do you... How do you... The, the physical sensation of swiping across my phone, and which is a gesture I've just never been pumped about, and doing it as a sword thrust in whatever uh the elder scrolls world today on the purple dungeon squid andy complains about a free game and not liking how that sword sword swipes <laughs> hey know thyself man so here's what's blowing my mind a little bit we've got an elder Blow scrolls blowing my mind we've got an elder scrolls six reveal we've got a new fallout game coming so we've got fantasy we've got post-apocalyptic and Bethesda is, by the way, also doing a uh, sci-fi game called Starfield that looks like it could probably be the next Mass Effect. It, I mean, this is just dawning on me. Is that that's that's like the ultimate triple threat of RPG? That's the RPG Trinity, right? You refer to that as the full court press. If if they could release a Tetris game, we'd be all set. That's it, man. That's it. That's all you need. Bethesda for days. So. There's just a trailer. It looks like a single space epic, or sorry, single player space epic in the vein of Mass Effect. It's got a similar aesthetic to it. Um, this is not, you know, uh, this is not a gritty game in the same way that, for example, I think of Skyrim. Um, and boy, does it ever look like something that, like, I'm looking for this game in my space. I think the space RPG is severely underserviced. I think that it often turns into like uh, sci-fi games are often go down the path of FPS by necessity because you're dealing mostly with guns and ranged weapons, etc. But the idea that you know we get to jump into a game by Bethesda that I believe, uh, although it looks strongly narrative focus, will have some breadth of, of play uh, in the vein of a Fallout or a Skyrim. Um, ah, it warms my calloused heart. Oh, you said it, buddy. No, you said it. No, you, Yusuf said it. Here's my friend Yusuf. Oh, I said it. Yusuf Johnston. Um, Andy, can we talk about Ubisoft? Is that how you say it? Can I, can I tell you, can I tell you something about Ubisoft, You want Andy? to tell me about the Ubi? Now, Ubisoft is, is up to, against some strong competition, and they fire back with The Division 2. Andy, you play any of The Division? No. I've done Division. I, I long, long style. Short, You're a long division. division guy. I can tell that about you. Well, Division 2 comes back with a, a brand new setting and refined mechanics. Um, You're going to be finding yourself in Washington, uh, D.C., the capital, um, and uh, dealing with uh, the situation seven months after the initial viral outbreak uh, in the original division and uh, dealing with America degenerating into civil war. Right. Um, In this game, we can expect some eight-player raids, uh, big up from the four, um, and you can uh, can expect some free DLC packs. There you go. Uh, Good guy Ubisoft is going to roll that out to you. And I saw some of the gameplay. It looks cleaner than the original division. Um, the mechanics look 
look nicer. Um, they the, the the world is a little bit cleaner because it's no longer sort of New York City, a little bit dirty, a little bit wintry. Um, and I I gotta say, it seems like refinement at every level. Did you play the first division? Uh, I I did, and I found it a little bit. You divided first of all, then. Division was plagued. <laughs> yeah, the division was plagued by cheaters somehow. What? And yeah, hackers. Um, but a single player game, no? Exploits. No. 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 Not no. Dad, let, let let daddy keep take divide, the wheel. Divide on this. and conquer. <laughs> divide and conquer. Let daddy take the wheel on this one. <laughs> no, it's I think of Destiny's all of Destiny's um, uh, multiplayer mechanics brought to bear on on this type of game on like a a Fallout but a hyper realistic version of Fallout. Right. So yeah, it's it's post apocalyptic. Uh, uh, it's like mid apocalyptic. Mid apocalyptic. Like, it's, it's the apocalypse. Like it's that. It's human that. Human conventions feel. are still on. You're fill, You're forming up squads with your friends, right. At the very recently fallen society, right? I, man, like I don't know. Happening. It's like the division happened, and then someone came and men in blacked my brain because I. I have You've no, got nothing. I've got on nothing. This, and I, I don't even. I haven't seen this game. I'm. I'm. Con- I'm questioning whether or not this is a real entry. <laughs> Andy, I. I. I handed you the, all the branch of being like, buddy. I know you don't know anything in this game. Let me do it. I don't know about five sentences in. You're like. Okay, Okay, Dan. I just want to let you know. I don't. I don't know what this game. Is about. <laughs> the Division Two. I'm pretty sure is available only if you buy a pass and you're a member of the Illuminati. A uh, Division is that the one I'm um, with the large monkey who's taken the princess and he's really uh, amped up about throwing barrels at an Italian fellow. I want to. I want to laugh. Ha. 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 Really good. Good. Really. Really. Really good. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Some. Uh, massive, uh, massive uh, uh, moves by by Ubisoft. They've clearly learned a lot about what they did from the first game. I just see improve, improvements at every end, and I'll be picking this up. And I'm, I, I hope you'll be willing to join my squad of survival friends. Yeah, I mean, I can't say yes or no. It just feels like a strong baby. Andy, I feel like I hurt your feelings, and I'm going to have to send you a nice card uh, to, like, to like get you back in the fold. Uh, please address it to your mother. I'll pick it up at her house later. Oh, that was another heater from my best friend, Andy. <laughs> um, Skull and Bones is coming out. This is what appears to be the answer to Sea of Thieves for everyone without an Xbox and a little bit less exploration and a little bit more combat. I will say, these are yeah. some remarkably attractive pirates that Skull and Bones yes. is throwing down. Yes. There's not scurvy, not a scurvy in sight. No. No, the teeth are straight. They have perfect musculature. That's it. You know, I'm sure you can create some hideous beings. I mean, they're pirates. Being maimed is part of the game. It's poor nutrition and drinking swordplay on the high seas. Things go wrong, you know? Um, you know, that said, uh, it seems like another evolution game. They're evolving with Division. They've evolved with Skull and Bones. They've taken what worked out of Black Flag and the other Assassin's Creed right. titles. Right, it does look like Black Flag. Um, which, right, and, and just worked. And it's got all the same vibes to it and said, "Let's. what about more of that? And uh, like you said, Sea of Thieves has shown that those mechanics are fun and doable. And I got to say, I'm enticed by this title. And it, it's something I can have uh, reached to because I'm Xbox list. Um, so this is one is a must play for me because I have a soft spot for pirates, buddy. I'm with you. Yo ho, motherfucking ho. Um, I'm, I'm all aboard the pirate ship. And it seems oh, like. Andy, I meant to tell you, yo ho. 
She's on my mast. Mmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, so... Reel it in, buddy. It in, Reel it in. Casting the line. Reeling it in. Wooza, 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 wooza. Sea of Thieves uh, looks like a game to me that I want to <laughs> play. Of sea of Thieves. Sea of it Thieves. It still feels like a foundational game because, uh, from my understanding, I don't have an Xbox. I'm Xbox deficient, but I followed that game reasonably closely because open world on the high seas piratiness, I'm all about that. Still, you know, the general complaint about that game is there's not enough to do. It's just sandboxy enough to be interesting um, and not sandboxy enough to create emergent gameplay that you want to stick with for too long. And so I'm curious to see how Skull and Bones addresses this because at least from the vantage point of where I was at with Skull and Bones, it seems like the ship combat uh, just, again, I haven't played it, but taking a look at the trailer looks more interesting to me. Uh, and yeah, I mean, at the very least, I'm going to sail around on the high seas for a couple days and yo-ho-ho it around. Um, but in best case scenario, I could see this one becoming a very strong contender for, uh, one of Andy's favorites. Top three, uh, top three, Yarr. top three priority games. What do you think? Um, uh, you know me, buddy. Monkey Island. For sure. Finish. And then Sid Meier's Pirates. Pirates. Yep. Both, uh, both classic choices. Um, God, is there. Are there any other piratey games that have come into mind that I don't really think so? Yeah, yeah. There's some. There's some edge cases, right? Hey, listen, it's a hard medium to do, right? Because you're you got a lot of water. There's a lot of ocean going on in your pirate world, and if you're if you're spending too much time off the ship and on land, then you've got yourself some historical alternative fiction, not necessarily a pirate game. Am I right? You've never been righter. Never been wronger. Um, yes, yeah, Skull and Bones looks like a good one. Uh, there's this creepy VR game called Transference that I don't really want to talk about because it looks super creepy. Hey, remember how Elijah Wood can go like either grungy, super endearing, or creepy? This is the creepy. This is the creepy one. Cre- what? It's creepy. Elijah. Oh, in the tri- Oh, in the uh, in the uh, Elijah so, Wood. Uh, right. Elijah yes. Wood owns co-owns a production company that's collaborating with Ubisoft. I had no idea why game. he was there. Gotcha. There you go, buddy. But yeah, looks creepy. Looks like it's gonna take some uh, unique mechanics and weave a bit into a VR experience. Like if you like feeling scared, like this is one that'll do do that. Yay. That'll do the thing. Uh, well, if I can't, if I can't play, I know. Hooray. If I can't play Doom without the lights on, I don't know that transference is going to be the one for me. Yeah, I would like to transfer myself to another game. Yes, I'm sure it's good. Like I'm sure it's good. Sure, but I'm just a scared. Let me uh, let me transfer right into something that I am super excited about. Excited, excited. Assassin's Creed Odyssey looks freaking rad dan looks freaking rad origins was rad to the next level and i'll tell you why um origins had a vibe to it that was one part historical fiction which by the way is what assassin's creed really feels like it's becoming and i'm i'm loving it right there's less maybe it's it's just me but the focus is less on the assassin part and more on wherever the hell we are in history. I get to feel a little bit of that. And this one, uh, for Assassin's Creed Odyssey, they've gone several hundred years before Origins. Uh, it's the earliest time period that Assassin's Creed has explored. And they're going all the way on back to the Peloponnesian War. 
So the uh, the old uh, Spartan style ancient Greece situation, and I have to. Are there are there Spartans in this? Are there Lacedonians? Um. So I don't. So I don't know. The aesthetic is all uh, ancient Greece. Um. Like a Roman. Roman. Like a yeah. Roman aesthetic. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I boy am am I ever stoked to see. How they go? How they go about creating that environment? Because it's just one we don't see in games often. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right about that. Um, you know, with a, a, some notable expect, exceptions, Rome Total War, and um, there was a, a couple good releases on the Xbox, or uh, sorry, the PlayStation. Uh, names I'm escaping, and you know, God of War sort of you know nudges around it. But you're right, like it, it, it's just not, to be to be distinct, it's not it's not ancient Rome. It's ancient Greece. Yeah, fair. Yeah, so fair, fair, and fair. and exploring that environment in uh you know a um an RPG sense to me just hasn't it's not something that I can call to mind. And this is an interesting Assassin's Creed because Do you know what starts in 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 ancient Greece? What's that? Altered beast. <laughs> <laughs> for real, for real, for real. Like I will spend zero time on that, but that's a fact. <laughs> You start by talking to zombies, uh, Socrates. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, keep going, keep it's going. the first Assassin's Creed that lets you play as either a man or a woman. Very cool. Uh, I'm going to be playing a badass ancient Greek chick, so I'm into that. Um, Maybe the Wonder Woman taking root inside of me, but that's that's the path that I want to take. And what's cool is they've gone Bioware style, so you've got branching conversations with dialogue options. Uh, It changes the story based on your decisions. They put in romantic options, which in ancient Greece just feels right. Just feels right. Yeah, and um, I better be able to get a protege and. And yeah, really, really tootle. It's really tootle. it's that Greco-Persian war. So I, I don't know if there's a Spartan accent or uh, element, I should say. But the idea of playing anywhere in the neighborhood of being a Spartan has me thinking, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Sparta, Sparta, Lacedonia was past east of Greece, right? Even right. It was the eastern. I don't know. Sparta didn't exist for me until that. Frank Miller made it a thing. So I just, you know. I will be Russell Crowe. This is, yeah, you know. The Spartans wouldn't have considered themselves Greek uh, in any way. So, I, I mean, I think maybe it'll be overlooked, but maybe we'll get a taste. I mean, my sails, they were so full of wind, and now, now they are not. Yeah, I mean, I just, I had to talk about what the Lacedonians would the next, really The next into. episode of Purple Dungeon History, uh, we can go deep on that. But until then... Ancient Greece, Assassin's Creed, biggest one yet. The biggest Assassin's Creed, the largest overland map, and the detail that they put into Origins and the way that that felt like ancient Egypt, I really want to see. And yes, Dan, ancient Greece. I love it. I love it. Andy, with your permission, can I power through EA's roster? Uh, yeah. Let me just, let me just blow it up. Let's just okay? blow it right up. Anthem gets a big preview. Um, that was their kickoff. Um, we got a little, we got a little bit of that. Some more video, all pre-rendered. You look like Iron Man, Destiny, and it looks like it could be fun. They're really pushing, you know, uh, the social element hard, um, and there will be loot boxes. Um, moving on, they announced a new J- uh, Star Wars game, Jedi. Mm, give me a second on that, but we didn't get to see anything else on that. 
Uh, Battlefield 5 got uh, announced. More loot boxes that they've renamed Airdrops. Airdrops. So they feel like they're they feel like those aren't loot boxes. Sorry, Je- Jedi Fallen Order. And precious Fallen precious Order, little thanks, has been said about it. Um, you got Jedi Title card. That's it. you got lightsabers. You got in between episode three and four. If this is something along the vein of a Jedi outcast, I'm in, I'm, I'm down. Yes. Uh, and yeah. if it's, if it's not that I, uh, I have no idea. Cause all we got was a title card. So sorry, continue, but yeah. Jedi yeah. fall in order. Thank you. No, I, uh, my main man, Andy, I appreciate that supplemental, uh, battlefield five, <clears throat> big, uh, destructible elements piece of this you can drive tank tanks through buildings and hyper realistic world war one setting um so we're we're going there uh battle royale is gonna make its way into this bad boy shocking um so uh yeah it's the name of the the name of the game um i actually might play this one it does look really good but it is ea and i'm a little bit allergic these days i know i gotta buy us uh some of you i'm sure disagree but i've taken my position yeah um, I, I know you have two. man and, and i and i feel the i feel the the desire to not participate in the way that ea conducts itself that being said like you know, Battlefield Five looks genuinely like a blast, and it's got it's got a bit more. Like, I think playing about and admittedly, I haven't played PUBG because, uh, again, MacBook Pro and no Xbox. But Battlefield 5's vibe with a battle royale um, experience, when most of my battle royaling has been Fortnite, hits me in the right way. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you there. Um, so speaking of battles, uh, Battlefront 2 is going to get some extra stuff this year. We're getting um, the Clone Wars setting. We're getting a new Starfighter mode. We're getting a Command Post Capture mode. We're getting some new her- uh, heroes. We're talking Anakin, Skywalker, Obi-Wan Kenobi, General Grievous, and um, you know just some general polish. Is there any, uh, any shot any of that? Of you? I mean, I mean, what were you going to say? <laughs> any chance you're going to... Take uh, take a swing at this thing. Andy? <laughs> I was gonna say exactly the same I thing. That's amazing. I know you There's were. zero chance, buddy. There's were. zero chance. I've no. not not even close to interested in this. I would love to, but they hurt. Let me, me tell bad, you, buddy. I would play General Grievous once because that's cool. That's cool. I, I've always wanted to be an what, eight limbed or four limbed. Would, would bother to learn to use a lightsaber. He'd be the most unstoppable. Jedi battle person in on because he's not a Jedi, but he'd be the worst combatant to face ever. Because as you're blocking, he's hitting you with three other lightsabers, but he just demands to not learn. He just spins them like windmills. Like <laughs> General Grievous, like Bart, would fuck up Bart, Anakin Skywalker, Bart Simpson having a, a flail, fucking, just having a flail. It, the Emperor, you know, uh, you know, anybody, all at once, ten Jedi's at once. He'd ruin all their afternoon. Exactly, and but he's a machine. Like, like I like, refuse to learn to use this. In the in the hyper advanced future, are you telling me that he can't like spin his hands at a beyond light speed pace? You know, he's just creating a vortex of swirling lightsabers. How do you fuck with There's that? There's computers that that plot star jumps. Are you telling me there's not an AI that's just like? ruins you every time he's like oh i have a computer for this right i like how a star star wars simultaneously has super advanced tech but at the same time t- tech that's like so basically analog like what's the targeting computer do it'll get it in that general area 
they're like, oh yeah, but shooting a manual can be better. You're like, especially if you have the force. Like, <laughs> we we can drop missiles right now within a centimeter. You're telling me in the space future past? No, it's just like a good huck. It's good heave. Yeah, I mean, fair point. Like that's the fun thing about science fiction is you have to put a cap on it somewhere. And you take Star you Wars. You take. Um, you know, Games Workshops is 40k universe. They all they all find a way of either instilling some version of, uh, and it is quite human, right? Installing some yeah. version of myth or superstition, um, or just right. just straight up make the whole thing a retro affair, except for the you know the very notable technological advancements in star travel. You know, you got some power. Yeah. You're going to pick up some power converters from Toshi Station. Um, sure. You know, you're you're doing the, you're doing the damn thing. That's right. Andy, can I ask you a question? In Star Wars, what happens when you shoot a, a, a door control? Immediately opens that door, obviously. Or what else does it do? Uh, I've, never seen a, I've never seen a result so to the contrary. So here's what it does in Star Wars. It either com- closes the door permanently or immediately opens it, whatever you need that to be right, the thing right, at right. the time. At the speed of plot. At the speed of plot. <laughs> at the speed of plot, exactly. Right. Exactly. So I, moving I, sorry, right I take, I take along. A, I, I, I take exception to skipping over Anthem so quickly because here's the thing. I'm actually pretty pumped about Anthem, and I wasn't. I was not. Don't do this, Andy. I was not prior to Don't do this thing. a deeper look. It sounds to me... Like a hybrid between Destiny and Warframe. Andy, I, can I give you some money out of my wallet and we won't... We won't talk about Anthem? We won't go back. You have against There'll Anthem? be so much time to talk about Anthem. So Andy, moving right along, we're getting a, a little title from EA called Yarny. Just a wee a little guy. up adventure. It's out today. And today being Woo! several days ago... So this is a cute little game. You got a co-op vibe. Both players are using little yarn abilities to zip around the level and get around obstacles. Um, (laughs) You can play single player. um, And uh, the little other yarn guy uh, sort of wraps into you. You control them both. There's a demo. We saw some weird bird action. And uh, (laughs) it looks like a cute little game uh, a la... What's that other one for PlayStation? What's it called? I don't know. I don't know how how many a little times. Little big planet. Oh, fair point. Little big planet. I don't know how many times yeah. you can say yarn to describe a gaming experience, but this is that's what this is. It's like it's a yarny experience filled with yarn moments of being a yarn and experiencing yarn issues. Exactly the the doings of a daily yarn fella. Andy, uh, this is a girlfriend happy game, isn't it? Uh, I would say yes. I would say the co-op yeah. co-op bit makes it so that even the rather unsavory premise of this game in general, I still give it a thumbs up. Yeah, yeah. They made it cute and, uh, you know, there's not a chainsaw in sight and sometimes that's all right. So uh, moving right along, another little uh, little or smaller release. <laughs> I like that we talked about Yarny more than Anthem. <laughs> honestly at least yarny showed us some gameplay and it's like i guarantee you there's no yarny loot boxes i I know that's that's your vendetta against anthem eh? because like anthem i looked at listen i was in the same boat i I saw anthem i thought this looks like warframe and destiny had a baby and added a loot box i gotta say though after reading a couple first impressions and uh checking out that trailer it, it looks it looks interesting. Two, two quick points on your. You ever on, heard of a? You ever heard a house divided among itself? You ever heard of that phrase? No, it sounds sounds like sage advice. I'm I'm a house divided against myself because 
I love Bioware. I love right. them. But EA has been such a dummy. They've just, they're the band that went too corporate and they ruined it all. And just back it off just a little bit, but they're just, they've gone to the dark side. Yeah, and don't you think, and the, don't you I, think the publisher house with all the money is the one that maybe someday might want to sponsor us? Let's cut that yarn right now. Let's get yarny with it. You know what? No, I'm going to be a man from the streets. A man of and the people. You know what? Maybe my opinion will develop because listen, there's one time where ENA, 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 EA, EA, also known as and EA. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a time when we're homies. We're, we're sipping, you know, Gin and juice. on the street, having a little bit, playing a little bit of Command Conquer, back. no problem. Hey, no problem, Guadalupe. Forget about it. Forget Boom. it. Get in. In we the hot seat. There. EA, yeah. And then, what you got? And then, and then we, weren't, we weren't rolling together anymore, no. but maybe we homies again. Who knows? Who knows, man? Um, so anyway, um, <laughs> all that horribleness aside, uh, <laughs> another release here from... I think from, what they said. <laughs> I think we had oh, one comment. So Highly listenable. Another... And let me give props to EA where it's due, another EA title, and leave it to the Germans to make a game that is looks both beautiful but explores the deep metaphysical challenges of loneliness personified in the monstrous nature of humans. And this game Boy, gets that, it in Sea of Solitude. That's like a hard right turn at, uh, at Bummer. Yeah, it's a game about solitude and depression and confronting one's own demons in a, a very sort of, uh, it's a, a, a sort of a stark, but cute, if you've, uh, animation, if you've ever seen the Brothers Grimm trading, uh, there's a book of like, it's, it's so, it's so morose, it's a book of like, the different ways these, these children have perished, it's like, Abby had an ankle ache that, you know, ended in something like it's. Do you know what I'm talking about at all? The British Grimm book. So I don't know what you're talking about. I get that kind oh, of no. that kind of um, that more that mortality element of, of yes, storytelling. That that little bit macabre. Mm -hmm. But like the thing is, is Tim, Tim Burton. Yes, right. It's got it's a like Tim, Burton Tim Burton vibe. I don't know. Sea of Solitude. Um, listen, loneliness, depression. They're two themes. Not. I wouldn't say not often, or I would say not often explored by video games. You have two important topics, two important emotions to explore, perhaps in 100%. this very valuable video game scenario. Um, I don't know that it's the kind of game I want to chuff a bowl and and, and get in there and, mm, and you know, no. experience. Um, generally, these aren't the feelings that I'm interested in looking into when I'm playing a video game, but I'm 100% I'm sure it's a deep and profound experience, and it genuinely looks like it, and there's a lot of love that's gone into the visuals as well as the um, you know, the overall tone and aesthetic sounds interesting. Yeah, it looks like a well-made game, Andy, and you saved me from a spiral of my own, and, and for that, I thank you. Now, moving up, speaking of downward spirals, uh, Command & Conquer <laughs> is returning as a mobile game. The Command game Conquer, that nobody wow. asked for. Has been, Command & Conquer has been hitting the bottle for the last decade, oh, and now it woke no. up in a pile of its own vomit this morning. And, and it turned out it was a mobile game. Somebody shook this 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 IP off and said, "You got a couple more rounds in you. Go back to the miners and put it in the app, the app store." And this looks like a hunk of garbage. <laughs> Did you love the sprawling maps and and expansive bases of old? Good news, we're now going to fit that all on one screen in a kind of weird edge play 
experience of uh, you know a, 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 a just a claustrophobic map. What do you mean by one and, screen? Because uh, like, like, you mean like it doesn't it doesn't scroll around. Everything happens in the one screen. I so I, I'll have to take a deeper look at at what this looks like. The idea of it though. Um, boy, it doesn't sit with me very well. Command and Conquer to it, me is, I mean, even, sorry, let me, let me roll back. RTSs to me are the kind of game that really only makes sense from the, from sitting in, sitting in the chair and using the mouse and keyboard. I, I can't, I can't imagine this becoming a hit. Is this just a money grab to grab, you know, to squeeze dollars out of a love franchise, or is this this a legit kick at the C and C can? Like, is there a possibility that this that this is something reasonably good? Andy, they have dug up the flaccid corpse of Command and Conquer, maybe and something trotted there. it along the stage in a macabre display, and then they've put their dirty, filthy bowler hat out and said, "Oh, shilling, send us a shilling." This Mile is for the people, a Command crime. and Conquer. Put on your grin. A crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Listen, I'm, I'm going to try it. I'm going to give it a go for the sake of Command and Conquer. Um, the last Command and Conquer game I played was Generals, which was okay, but most folks did not love it. Andy, I bet you a nuclear-enabled orbital missile that this sucks a big fat one. <laughs> All right, moving okay, right, right along. Right along. Oh, I see you've typed Anthem here again. Andy, tell me a little bit about Anthem. Anthem, yeah. <laughs> I okay. I don't have too much to say about Anthem, but what I what I will what? say, yeah, for sure. I, I I all my prefaces intact. Wasn't looking forward to this. Bioware doing something more in the vein of a first person shooter. Um, sorry, it's not a, necessarily a first person shooter, but of a shooter that requires, in my humble opinion, the same level of finesse as a Bungie title to be successful. This is not a Mass Effect scenario because I don't believe that there's much of a story focus in this game. Um, I, I just, I think that it looks tight. And from the reports that we've read, uh, the Iron Man simulator and the jetpack element that's baked into Anthem is actually one of the coolest experiences, um, in a shooting game of E3. You know, it's, it's neat. There's, there's the opportunity to fly around in your jetpack. It seems like moving between on the ground and in the air is extremely seamless. And there's this heat meter that fills up that when it reaches a certain level doesn't allow you to fly anymore but you can actually use the environment um, of these open world multiplayer maps to cool your jets uh, under a waterfall for example so there's there's like it, again it, at first it looks like a generic kind of destiny warframe mashup um, where you're going to be doing much of the same but there I, I would posit that there could be some more depth here that i'd be interested in exploring too early to say, but it looks interesting. You don't want them to lose on this one because it, it does mean the end of Bioware, I'd say, if they did. So I don't, I'm not rooting for them to lose. Um, I hope it plays out for them. I hope they make a great game. I will play it. You know, Destiny has left a big hole in my heart, um, you know, but where it could have been. So I, I will, of all the EA games, I will play this one. And if it is good, you'll hear me change my tune. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm, uh, 
I'm really on the fence about about how I feel about it. So, but you know, maybe it's a great game, mm -hmm. and and we'll all be friends again. Well, there's no PvP, which is interesting. So, you know, the really? and like for me, the full service Destiny package is like 50% PvP. It's what you do yes, in the it in between is. Yeah, moments. you're so right. Yeah, so I don't, you know, it's it's more in the vein of Warframe because Warframe's PvP is not a pronounced feature of that game. The class system in this, like all this, all the Iron Man suits are called javelins. Right? I keep saying Iron Man, like that's like a, a thing they say in the game. It's definitely not. <laughs> it's just it's my own opinion of how this looks. But the exoskeleton suits, you can swap between them for different play styles. So again, very similar to Warframe. Yeah, I mean, here's what I'm curious about, though. If it's if there's no PvP, take a look at Destiny without the PvP in it. You've got pre-scripted, you know, strikes and missions that have some variability in the way that encounters play out. But by and large, you know, you memorize the uh, you memorize the missions, you memorize the bosses, and you get to a point where you know you know generally what you're doing every time. I don't know, though, in a game with no PvP, if that's all I could expect. I'm wondering if they're planning on doing content in a more dynamic way. You know, like, what, what, what do you think would be better? Like a skill, more like a skill adaptive, perhaps a little bit more random way of doing encounters and missions versus like a, like a scripted destiny? Or, or what, what do you think would be better? Yeah, boy, what a, what a big question. It, it, with that scripted stuff, you get to create these epic moments but sometimes you can let the gameplay create the epic moments by creating a, a a scenario based system that will randomly put together terrain and adversaries um and let the experiences speak through for themselves and and boy i can't say one over the other but they they both have their place don't they yeah, I mean, I know that, you know, randomization and specifically level randomization is something that Warframe does to great effect, right? The replayability is there. But every time you... you yeah, you said it. Yeah, every time you deal in randomization, you take out some of that... Um, well, exactly the opposite. The crafted moments that sometimes make playing through an FPS or playing through an ex like an action experience like that so memorable. So I don't know where they come out on the other side of this. Um, the no PvP thing is a little bit of a question mark for me because oftentimes if I get into a game and there's guns involved, I want to shoot someone else at some point as opposed to just, you know, the AI. Uh, and the other, the one last thing that is strange about Anthem is that it's an instanced game uh, with somewhat like quasi open worlds and only four people per instance, which seems like if you've got to be, I don't I don't get it. If you, if you're, if you're independent from those guys and you're, you're questing or, or doing stuff on your own, then fine. But what do they really bring to the, to the, to the table? But if you're in groups of, for example, two, three or four other players and you need some coordination to take down a boss or an enemy or do something as a group, um, I mean, God, it, it, if there's resource collection, if there's individual stuff to do, at some point you're going to be out of sync with those other players. Are you just waiting on them to complete that content? Or do they even factor into your experience? I, I, don't, I just don't really get how it's going to work. Yeah, I know, I know exactly what you mean. It's, it's interesting because this plays into a little bit of a side hobby. I'm running a campaign right now, a pen and paper campaign, and we've been going between... Uh, encounters that I build where I've picked out, you know, the monsters and the NPCs and what's going to be said and a phase of the game where they're doing a hex crawl and I'm rolling on a table with, you know, uh, a 999 possible outcomes what they're going to face. And I have to say, 
the best moments have come from the random gameplay. Now, that's not going to be true every time. Sometimes the random stuff is going to be totally whack. But the that's you know whack, what comes man. out of the ether of the random can be so beautiful because you go, hey, man, I can't make this up. That just happened. Right. Uh, and, you know, there's something beautiful in that. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, I mean, I think that the word is emergent gameplay. I think it's a feature of games that, um, you know, uh, like Minecraft, for example, um, is a game of emergent gameplay. Uh, Skyrim, with mo- enough mods, is a game of emergent gameplay. And maybe there's there's an opportunity to um, see that happen in Anthem. I would guess, though, that you know, with so much on the line and Bioware known for its storytelling in the past, that we'll likely see a bit more of a focused game. I'm just interesting interested to see how it all comes together. We'll see, but I'll I'll definitely be giving it a look. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that one. For sure. Anything else on the EA uh, train, or is it uh, into Sony? Sir, we are piping right along to Sony, and and with your kindest permission, I would like to take a little bite from a radioactive spider and talk about our favorite neighborhood-friendly wall crawler, Spider-Man. Oh, please. He's not my jam. Oh, let me tell you, once again, Andy, you were r- 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 wrong. This guy <laughs> has got to be one of the best. Scooby-Doo he's, moment there. He's just, r- 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 he is just one of the golden, one of the golden superheroes. So Spider-Man is swinging into our consoles on the PS4 as an exclusive from Sony. And uh, they've done it before. The, they've done it again. And, you know, they have upped their game. Andy, they have mapped every square foot of new york uh like every square foot like literally literally okay so that i wasn't now, aware of because my understanding it, of this game was it was open world but i i'm certainly not sure how comprehensive that is every square foot has been mapped. that's crazy. have they taken some artistic license yes um you know some of the buildings are taller they've added some trees in through central park so you can web sling through it but the game is massive on a scale uh, incomparable to any other game. You know, I got 22 minutes of gameplay uh, viewing in on it. They have put all the be- best elements of a game like Arkham Knight and, and added that Spidey flair. Right, it definitely Spidey looks like Arkham is, Knight. It, it, it has that vibe to it. In terms of the combat, the way it's put together, it does, and that's a good thing. Sure. Um, you know, you, you got Spidey putting his flair on it though he's hitting um web shooters like crazy different modes different tactics he's fleeing objects he's spider stinging people in the air it the combat is fluid and beautiful but um very very they've made him an acrobatic improviser and that is spider-man that's a cool dynamic Um, it's a cool dynamic and yeah and it's different than a batman feeling you know you got that agile yet firm badass versus the uh you know versus the spider-man a little bit more aloof peter parker vibe you said it you said it and um the key thing you start up a spider-man game the very first thing 1a on your list is make that web slinging experience in the city beautiful and fun and fast and fluid and they hit it andy they nailed it um you're excited about this i can hear it like every oh it's beautiful everything you want spider-man to do he does he i i saw extended web slinging sequences 
and, and in previous games they've done a good job but you're always sticking on the side of buildings when you don't want to they've replaced that with a wall running mechanic that is gorgeous they've got uh, the spidey launch the spidey vault they have um uh, beautiful transitions around buildings they really really you're, really you're writing this it. game and, a love note right now i i, I just oh, it, i feel it, like it, i'm i'm like at the movies gorgeous. with you and you're having your time and i'm just watching so jack sparrow there's, there's a, a combo meter like you've seen in other arkham day games but there's a flow meter as well that unlocks combos and finishers and what's so uh, uh brilliant about this game is they link the flow meter into battles but also through battles by web slinging so spidey will web in and and destroy a bunch of thugs and then continue web slinging continuing that same flow meter right which then you can either use one of two ways either to give spidey health back or to execute moves in 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 battle so it's like a risk reward <laughs> you can keep it going and use it for more com combos and executions in battle or you can drop it down cash it in for that health what a what a brilliant way to do it um, wow yeah i do <laughs> it's funny because you've been you've been relatively two-sided on, on most of the titles in this list spider-man sounds like it's got your heart I, i'm not as jazzed up about it i feel like this is the Spider-Man game that I would expect. I don't know what else you could really do with a superhero action game. I feel like playing to, you know, the Spider-Man strengths of agile combat and slinging around New York City is is definitely the formula you want to go on go with on a game like this. That being said, I don't know if that really I don't really if it knows if it know if it stokes me. Um, but it definitely seems like a game that with the right story you know, with the right step into Spider-Man's shoe story and with every, if, if, if it's to be believed, every square foot of New York mapped out, there's, there's a fun experience there. What I like about a title like this is you have a group of people that have so much heart for this. And, you know, when they get into it, first they're excited because I'm making a Spider-Man game. And then it sets into them what they're getting involved in you know how important it is to people how much they really have to do it justice and it it has the benefit of having clear vision like a game can so often suffer from every idea being thrown in and more ideas and more ideas and spider-man is a thing do you know what i mean right. and you can have different takes on it but it has all these core elements that are so well defined you just do those do the yeah. as best as you can and you've done you've done you've done it justice so mm -hmm. you know it, it usually gets a good amount of focus um that even some superheroes don't i mean that people have tried and failed to make superman games because yeah. it's like fuck what is what does superman do but what spider-man does is 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 clear you know yeah he's the he's the friendly neighborhood new york he's right at the right power level he, too he does his thing. he's got that he's got right. that same yeah, like he's got a similar power level to bruce wayne bruce wayne does it on a bigger scale right but it's still that that almost humanistic level of uh of you know it's not yo supernatural dog. it's 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 yo dog yeah, yo dog you just said some whack shit <laughs> You said some whack shit just now, and I can't let it fly. Let me ask you a question. Can Batman throw a bus? Uh, no. 
Because Spider-Man can throw a bus. Yeah, but the the okay. So his his level of physicality, like how physical Spider-Man is, is definitely jacked up on the radioactive supernaturalness from Bruce Wayne. But they're still within the Thank same you. power band. They're not super le- Superman uh, levels they're of godliness. Street, they're street level guys. Yes, street level guys that can rise That's what up. I'm to, that I gr- agree with you there. I'm sorry. I just needed. Something inside me need to clear that up. Yo, dog, Yo, dog. he says. Let's fucking Yo, move dog. along here. Days Gone looks like a fascinating take on a, a genre that's gotten a lot of love, uh, the post-apocalyptic genre. Um, that being said, so this is a game that features motorcycles and zombies that aren't really zombies. It's an open world game um, following a main storyline where you're going to be interacting with the aftermath of humanity uh, and doing so in a way um, where you're most often running from, again, these hordes of air quotes freakers. They're not zombies. So I think zombie, like this game's taking a little bit of heat because it on its, on its surface seems a little uninspired. It's a zombie game. Uh, in an open world, and I'm not really sure how calling zombies freakers makes it unique. That being said, having taken a, a good look at um, some footage of this game and some of the screenshots available, it looks at the very least like they nailed the vibe. So, you know, could be good. Just saying, could be interesting. Um, it's not coming out for a little while, though. I think it's a 2019 release it's scheduled for. Some time. Days Gone release is da, da, da. yeah early 2019. Days Gone more like days ahead. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you. Oh, dude. Bop, bop. Oh boy. All right, we got to we got to knuckle down. Let's knuckle down and get through the uh, the last little chunk of this because we've been talking for a while. But uh, I think we saved the best for last because Nintendo had some serious heat to fire out. Am I right? You're right about that, man. They they fired up the cannons and. And uh, they they brought out the big shell. Brought out the big shell. So let's rally and get this bad boy talked about. Nintendo is doing Octopath Traveler in like five minutes. It's coming in early July. This is a classic JRPG. It looks like it's in the vein of Bravely Default. And I'm pretty sure this is the first hyped up JRPG for the for the Switch. Uh, outside of Xenogears, in more of that, again, classic RPG fashion, the Bravely Default of the 3DS. I'm really stoked on this. I'm really stoked on this game for a couple reasons. One of the statements that they've issued recently about this game is that there will be no DLC. There'll be no DLC coming out. It is a complete game shipped. There's 90 to 100 hours of JRPG goodness in this. Maybe we should make another bet about me finishing it within a reasonable period of time. That, that, probably, will, that probably will go over well. But, oh, no. but here's, here's what I found really interesting about this game. So the game has the classic JRPG RPG aesthetic. I really like the way that this game looks. It's gorgeous. It's got eight roles to occupy, so there's some variety in terms of the classes you can select and the, the characters you can you can uh, embody. But what I find really neat about it is that there's branching pathways to this game with many different endings. And to me, it kind of like something clicked in my mind, and I almost feel like that's what's missing for JRPGs for me, because the story is always such an enormous part about. Uh, pardon me, enormous part of a JRPG. However, that really strong emphasis on predetermined mixed with the, um, you know, the mechanics of a turn-based, uh, party-based RPG combat system, for some reason gets dry like halfway through when I'm realizing that despite the, what appears to be granularity of the combat system, I'm playing roughly the same game experience as everybody else. Adding in branching paths 
makes me feel like um, all of the, let's call it number crunching or at the very least getting familiar with a combat system that's a little bit more in depth than mash buttons and, and hit abilities, right? I feel like the the branching paths justifies getting close to that and really learning the nuances so that the gameplay that I'm experience that I'm going through is is different and unique from the norm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It does. <laughs> and, uh, Dude, there was a lot of words there. Know, I don't know if you could follow me. <laughs> I was on a bit of a tangent. Absolutely it does. You know, it's something like it's beautiful about a game like Life is Strange that's so brilliant on a game that can feel like you're on rails and like having such a general experience. It goes, you know, 17% of people picked what you picked or 90% of people picked what you picked. Right. And you start to get the divergence and and i like that feeling that maybe i'm on i'm on a path that's less trodden for sure man it it makes me want to replay it while i'm playing it which is always a smart move right yeah and again it's just that it's that idea that it's not a predetermined path through the game and and i think that yeah if, if they can specifically if they can provide characters that feel as adaptive as the game uh, and its story beats promises to be, that this will be a JRPG I stick with for quite some time. Also, the fact that it's handheld means that I get way more time with it in the chair. So big thumbs up to that. Yeah, 100 hours of gameplay is uh, uh, out of control. Is that accounting for every branching path? I don't know. I actually don't know. I think that a playthrough is purported to be 90 to 100 hours of gameplay. I could be I could be absolutely off on that one. What I'm not off on though is that Super Smash Bros. Um, is going to be it's Super Smash Bros. is going to be the game of the year. What do you think? <sighs> Can't argue with it, buddy. You you make a strong a strong point. Yeah, I wanted to throw that down uh, in in a way that sounded with conviction because Smash Bros. Ultimate hits just about every note on the very long list of what makes this game franchise uh, so well-loved. And I've not been a Smash Bros. guy. You know, I enjoyed the heck out of it on N64, and since then it's been a passing interest. But let me give you some some high points of, of why this is such a huge release. First and foremost, they took every single character throughout the entire Smash Bros. pantheon and threw them into this game. There are over 60 characters that you can play. And let me ask you a question. Is they there, left none behind. Is there anything more important in a fighter? Like, is there any more um, juicy a feature in your fighting game than having an enormous roster of characters to play? Presuming they're all distinct and no. balanced? No, man. You just need Ken and Ryu, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right, though. Like, this, this to me, is... <laughs> I'm, I'm totally I'm right, correct. though. I'm totally correct. <laughs> I, on this day, and I'm not afraid, to, and you are right, Andy. Yeah, thank you. I Just as long as we all understand that. By the way, Ridley is in this thing, which, um, yeah. Uh, from Aliens 3? No, Ridley from Super, uh, from, uh, Oh, Ridley from Scott, who directed Aliens 1. Right. So we're going, we're just, we jumped in the, in the, sh- the bullshit canoe, and now we're paddling feverishly down the creek. <laughs> Get there. Can you ride? This if you is ride how the Purple Dungeon Squirt breaks Creek? one of the Are biggest games right? of the year. This is how we break <laughs> with copious piles of bullshit. Um, Ridley's in from Super Metroid, which is a huge deal, man. People have been wanting Ridley in this game for a very long time. He's enormous. I have no idea how this guy ends up being a, a viable contender in a Smash Bros. game. but he He's nor- His size is normalized, my dude. He, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's kind of dumb. 
I was looking forward to a very large <laughs> opinion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, couple couple high points on the characters in 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 Smash Bros Ultimate. Uh Mario um is wearing his his Super Mario Odyssey cap, which is cool. Link is based on on his Breath of the Wild iteration, which is obvious, that makes sense. Uh Captain Falcon's Falcon Punch will trigger a slow motion effect in 1v1 fights, which is freaking cool. I don't know how long you can do that before it gets annoying, but it sounds Really damn cool. Uh, Zelda is based on a link between uh, worlds and Cloud's limit break, Robin's limited use attacks, and other character-specific abilities will have distinct displays at the bottom of the screen for easier insights about their status. I just read that verbatim. It's not super important. Just skip over that one. But there's over 75 stages. So there's a long list of stuff here. I'm trying to cherry pick it. But the 75 stages thing is a big one. 75 stages. Holy shirt, man. That's that's a lot. Yeah. That's that's like enough that you've left ample in the rearview mirror mirror and you're approaching and past bragging. Right. <laughs> 75 stages is is next level. That's that's like you've locked your your level designers in a cell for 2 years and they've emerged with with 75 stages chiseled on on stone tablets. There's also simplified Omega versions of each one. So um, Smash is known for its randomness. There's items that fall, and there's features in each level, um, often, I should say. Uh, the Omega versions take away all of the distractions and the randomness and give you just a, just a, a static environment. So that's cool, too, from a, from a competitive angle, although I will 100% not be playing with those versions. Yeah, makes sense to me, man. I'm with you. You're with me. You're with me all the way. What Are you, are you excited for Smash Bros.? I'm brimming. I'm brimming. No, no, no. Seriously, this 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 is a reawakening, and and I can actually see um, me and my sibs uh, gathered around a hotly uh, contested uh, battlefield uh, with Peach in one quarter and Zelda in another, and Metroid in yet another, and um, with a devilish Yoshi staring them down. And I'm looking forward to that. I see. I, I feel like uh, I feel like we're both taking the Indica train to Sleepy Town. <laughs> At the moment, which is a shame because Nintendo's really packing the heat. There's one more title for us to get through, Dan. Let me go night night. How you feel about that? Can, can we skip this one? We're not going to end on this one. Take it down a notch. This is an important All title. Right, this is an go. important title, and I let's know it hurts go, your soul. Pikachu. Come on now, Pikachu. Let's go, Pikachu. <laughs> is a game that for noobs. Okay, here it is for noobs. It's a straight up game for noobs, and I'll I'll be the first one to say that it's not particularly appealing to my sensibility, even as a fan of the of the the core Pokemon franchise. That next core game is coming out in 2019, so it's, it's not here yet. But um, Let's Go Pikachu is, I'm going to put it out there, like the next level parent from, you know, who grew up with Pokemon, who has kids now and wants to play that game with them. This is a game that bridges the gap between Pokemon Go, the widely successful app game, and the original Red and Blue. It's a recreation of those games, except instead of battling Pokemon in the wild, you're using your Joy-Con to throw a ball, just like a Wii controller. It's, it's got that motion. Uh, you can actually buy a special controller to make it more engaging, I guess. I don't know. But you can do that in co-op now. So it takes the experience of classic Pokemon games, adds a little bit of whatever uh, nifty motion fun and gives you co-op options. Perfect game to play with someone under the age of 10, I would posit. 
Standing on the shoulders of giants. Standing on the shoulders of giants like legitimate adults. Dude, that is a lot of E3. That is a lot of E3. That's a lot of titles, a lot of good stuff that I'm looking forward to next year. What's the thing you're most pumped about? Andy Andronoff, I am spent. And, you know, I can't say Cyberpunk 2077 because, man, it ain't coming, is it? No. Um, 20, so, 2020, you know, I think. I, you, you, might, you might have to tell uh, your friends, your neighbors, that Dan will be playing Spider-Man right. as, his, as his top of the top of the heap. It's probably that, um, you know, out of this pack, the pack that we mentioned today. There's some contenders, but, but Spider-Man's on top for me. What about you, Andy? Uh, you know what? I think for me, the, um, the ultimate would be Assassin's Creed. Yeah, the Assassin's Creed Odyssey... It, 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 I like the fact that they're adding in even more RPG elements. I really like the setting. Um, I want to play in ancient Greece. And I don't know. It, it's like pushing into that full RPG dialogue tree experience is exactly what I needed out of Assassin's Creed to make it just that much more interesting. So, yeah, I feel like that one's the one I'm going to be playing on October 5th. It's out on PS4. I will spend some time with that guy for sure. Brilliant. Yes, sir. Why don't we go ahead and shut this guy down, Danny? Yeah, I'm ready to land this purple dungeon. Mm, pod. I feel yeah. you on that one. Um, how was your LA chocolate? Oh, I was good, buddy, but it did it did settle into its sixty percent indica on the way out. But that's okay, man. Yeah, it's all right, man. A little dip in dip in energy on the back half is never a bad thing. I, I'm right. in exactly the same boat. OG Kush has has given me the energy, it's given me the fun, and now it taketh away and prepare for beautiful slumber. So on that note, there's something I usually say at the end. Listener questions. questions or games you want us to play. Guys, let us know what you loved out of E3, what you didn't like, what you're looking forward to, and what you want to lamb-based. Dan, for And also, hit us up on the purple dungeon squid at gmail.com and Andy should they recommend us to a friend <laughs> absolutely they should okay Leonard and Leonard it, Nimoy here ex extraducing extraducing the <laughs> so make sure you follow us on Instagram at purple dungeon at squid purple dungeon until squid. next time keep it dank friends keep it dank keep it dank <laughs> <laughs> like crawling up the oh, hill through razor oh, blades. It, it burns. Oh. Fuck, I am high.